does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Seven o'clock on a Wednesday. For whatever reason, yesterday, and probably because I overslept, I felt like yesterday was Wednesday all day long, so I've been completely thrown off. Feels like my week is topsy-turvy upside down, but that's fairly symbolic, I guess, yesterday, just in terms of the news cycle. It was Kevin Bowen, a fairly, like, for just a a pre-holidays era December Tuesday, there was actually a decent amount of stuff going on to talk about. Yeah, a lot of it. I guess is um, you know the Andrew Luck story. Looking back on something that happened years ago, uh, from a college standpoint, if your team is not playing and yet you're creating headlines right now, it typically involves your head coach. Um, I'm curious, who do you think slept better last night? Yourself? I don't know if you're a little uneasy making sure you woke up on time, <laughs> or Purdue fans thinking about Jeff Brom's future. Interesting, because I saw last night. I assume it was current. Uh, a kid from Carmel with his in-home visit, and it was Jeff Brom, right? Hey, great visit from Coach Brom last night, like a, rec- a recruit. They're all wearing their Purdue stuff. I'm like, okay. I, I You read much into that? I'd probably rather be in Carmel than West Lafayette right now if I were flirting with Louisville. Yeah, I, I mean, listen. I'd be uneasy if I were a Purdue fan. I'd feel very, very uneasy until I hear something. If I was publicly. a Purdue fan, I and, and yeah, Purdue fans are going to take this as some sort of a slight. It's not at all. If I was a Purdue fan, I would probably just go ahead and set up for myself the thought that Jeff Brom is going to leave for Louisville. I, I mean, I, I don't know if like something happened overnight that we don't know about, but I, you know, and I did hear somebody say I can't remember if it was on this show or somewhere else that you know they thought if something was going to happen it would happen fairly quickly. That may be the case, um, but I put yourself in that position. I love, love, love Indianapolis. I love it, and you know I've got deep roots here, as do you. And if we were doing. If I was doing talk radio and have for the last five or six years on the morning show in Louisville, Kentucky, and all of a sudden a job opened up at this radio station in Indianapolis, it would be really hard for me to turn that down because this is where my family, I mean, everything is, right? Right. That's how it is for him. I get it. And again, insert Brian Kelly right here. Family, family, family uh, clearly is the massive selling point here. You could, I could listen to an argument that, some would consider Louisville more potential than the Purdue job. Um, I certainly get the Big Ten conference aspect of Purdue, and that's huge. And obviously, Brom has built something there in his six seasons, which has been extremely impressive. But you know, you could consider from an NIL standpoint, is the ACC an easier pathway to the playoff? Uh, I mean, Louisville as a football program, I know it's been some years, but I mean, they've been to an Orange Bowl, they've been to a Sugar Bowl in the last couple of decades, whereas Purdue has not had that sort of success. So, um, yeah, I just think it's very uneasy times until you hear him say something publicly that 
sounds a lot different than what he said on Monday about the situation. Uh, good morning to you. That is Kevin Bowen. My name is Jake Query. Mark Dykton here as well. It is Kevin and Query, 93.5, 107.5, the fan on a Wednesday. A little foggy this morning, but the good news is it is not subarctic. I mean, you can, if you forgot your coat, as long as you got a sweatshirt on. Yeah, it feels decent. Yeah, you're going to be okay on the way to the car. Um, last night, by the way, uh, we do this every year. And I want to thank Mark Ambrogi and Bill Benner for putting it on this year, put kind of gathering all of us knuckleheads together. But the annual uh, Robin Miller Iria's Holiday Dinner, we used to do that every year. Robin Miller would put that together with all the old guard from the Indianapolis Star, which I was like the gruntest of grunts of that group. But Robin always included me. I've always appreciated it. It's been a huge honor for me to, to just sit and listen to those guys tell stories. So last night, Mark Monteith, David Benner, Bill Benner, Mark Robinson, Dave Scoggin, um, you know, Robin's buddy Ralph. Uh, great fun. Great fun last night at Irea's, and needless to say, uh, great, food. great dinner as well. Yeah, great dinner. Nice. Um, now, Kevin, th- there were, there's been a lot of news in the NFL not having to do with the Colts, but that kind of has to do with the Colts. First off, Mark and I were just talking off the air. <laughs> You know, the Odell Beckham story is not one that really affects the Colts, but just within the league in general. I, I, I've i always been a little bit bewildered by this because everybody just assumes that Odell Beckham's going to like walk onto a field and immediately be a 100-yard receiver. And I'm like, he's coming off of a major injury. Yeah, and just 10 months ago. And, I mean, it certainly looks like he's probably not going to play this year, right? He's looking for a deal for next year, right? Oh, I think he plans to play at some point this season. I think he wants money past well, this season. He wants the contract for... Yeah, yeah, yeah he wants 2023 money uh, with that deal. Uh, yeah, what is it? Buffalo, New York, Giants, uh, and Cowboys. Those are the three visits so far for him. Um, certainly, there has to be some questions about him physically, but, I mean... You know, when you look at ACL surgeries and you look at the ability to come back from that within a year, I think you do see guys do that. And, you know, if you're looking for Odell Beckham just to be a complimentary piece, I think it'd be worth kicking the tires on. For really all of those teams, it makes sense. The Giants probably in more of a dire need than most uh, with their skill group. But, you know, Buffalo has an injury to Stephon Diggs. They're kind of in scramble mode there. Uh, in Buffalo, or uh, Dallas could use a complimentary piece, I think, the C.D. Lamb. Boy, I was really impressed by C.D. Lamb on Sunday night. I mean... He's just a fluid athlete. Like, Colts couldn't tackle. And they were able to... That That's the first time... I mean, I you know, listen, I'd be lying if I sat here and said that I watch every Dallas Cowboys game, right? But that's the first time... And I say this Bring only because... Together. <laughs> I say this only because... It is a glimpse as to what I think more teams would like to do, although there are not a lot of CD lambs out there. But, Kevin, you notice they started using him more than just throwing him the football. Right. right. Yeah, a couple jet sweeps there, some big plays, just getting him the ball, period. And that's something that I think just the Colts have lacked for years now. Uh, you know, Pierce has shown the ability, of course, to high points and balls and make plays down the field, but the Colts just don't have that, like, slippery wideout. The guy that, you know, you throw the ball to or, like you said, give it, you know, two on a jet sweep or something like that. And then he goes and makes a play with it in his hands. Um, so I was really impressed by it. But yeah, I, I would say the big news yesterday, for me, just stunning in terms of the timing, Tennessee firing their general manager, John Robinson. Robinson was hired the year before uh, Chris Ballard. And so what, like two years into that cycle, I guess he hired 
Mike Vrabel, you know, teams rarely fire their GMs in season, let alone good teams, let alone good teams for seemingly nothing off the field. And I guess we're still early in the investigative process, but it doesn't seem like there's some smoking gun off the field incident that led to this firing. I mean, Tennessee is 7-5. and five. Are they the most perfect roster in the world? No, but they have a ton of injuries, and they're still on track to make the playoffs. Last year, they played the most guys in the NFL, which is an indicator, again, of how hurt they were. They were the number one seed in the AFC. I was shocked by this move. Like, what... What does this do for you in a month and a half? You're not making drastic roster moves between now and the end of the season. If you really want to fire him, wait till the end of the season. Okay, two questions that come into play. Number one, they are coming off of a game where they lost to Philadelphia and had a sizable performance from a guy that they had traded to Philly in the offseason. Does that come into play at all? I mean, if you needed to see that game to all of a sudden lend you down that path. That seems like a very Jim Irsay emotional move. I would agree with that. Question number two would be, does that mean that, and this isn't a bad thing at all, I, merely speculative, but does that mean that they have a maybe an increased faith in Mike Vrabel's ability to kind of be the guiding force of everything heading into the play, beyond just the X's nose game plan of the coach, like as kind of the overseer of everything, for the remainder of yeah, the season. Yeah, uh, you would think that. Um, again, it's not like you're making drastic roster moves in the next month and a half. You know, it's like slight tweaks to your operation. So that's where I'm confused by it. Like, why not just keep status quo, not ruffle too much, and then you make a move at the end of the year, and you would think that would be an attractive GM opening because not only do you have Mike Vrabel in place, you, you have some decent pieces. Again, I don't think they're the most perfectly constructed roster, uh, but they do have a young quarterback that you know could be appealing to some, and that you're not walking in there with a the cupboard bear after Ryan Tannehill. So allow me to ask this, Kevin, because you had tweeted this last night. You said, and I'm paraphrasing, my mind goes here now, Tennessee has a general manager opening, and Chris Ballard has been very high on Mike Vrabel. Now by that, do you mean, does that tempt Chris Ballard to explore changing franchises or do you mean does that tempt Chris Ballard to call and see if Mike Vrabel then is somehow available because he has no GM to hold him back oh no definitely the former definitely the former than the latter um you know if Mike Vrabel is making this hire or has a big part in the say of the hire the GM which I know is typically not how NFL right franchises operate but seemingly that's how it's going to operate here and I think Vrabel likes Ballard um, could that be a pairing? I know a lot of people are like, wait, they're going to fire John Robinson and hire Chris Ballard? Those resumes don't match up at all. But it's a relationship-driven business. And if the Mike Vrabel, John Robinson fracturing of a relationship was a big part of this, you know, Tennessee ownership is going to say, hey, we need, to, we need to make sure our head coach is happy. This guy's a star. And if you're going to appease him, could Ballard be a candidate? I don't think it's maybe... I'm not acting like there's a whole lot of sourcing that I've done behind that, but as my tweet said, it was just it was one of the first thoughts I had of, this is the GM opening. 
the situation here in Indy is a bit murky, and that's a connection that Ballard has, and that he is extremely fond of Mike Rabel. You think the Colts franchise is a desirable place for players or executives from the outside? Um, at its current state. Yeah, just in. I think players are different than executives. You know, I think, I think it's a good. I think it's a fine. You know, good culture for players. I, I, I think they're treated well, and um, I think it's an enjoyable locker room. The guys get along with each other. Those things. Um, I don't think there's like limits on resources from how they treat players. Executive standpoint, you know, you're walking in here and you're going to have to make a giant quarterback decision, and there's a decent likelihood you're not going to have a top five pick to do it with right and there's also you would think that if you're a player you're looking at it and you're going man i'm walking into a franchise where i don't even know who the quarterback's going to be for the next three years or if it's going to be the same guy for three years right now of course players have a lot less clout to like dictate that unless you're a high level free agent you're really not one to be in the position to i think weigh that too too much in the process but when you're talking about a Jim Arba, a Sean Payton, you know, if they do make a move, a GM, somebody like that, then I do think it's very, very relevant on that front. Again, Colts bye week is here. Players are gone. They're across the United States, wherever. Where would you go? Probably depends yeah. on what stage of life I'm in. How long do they have? I'd assume back in the building Monday because they play a Saturday game and they, next they week. Were, they were released from the building when? I think late Monday. So one week. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably go to like, I'd probably go to the Caribbean f- until Saturday. Come back, get 48 hours to recharge the batteries. A lot would probably depend on how I feel physically. Again, stage of life for your kids. Boy, somewhere warm would be nice. Those sorts of things. I guess you've got to factor in like making sure you don't get stuck, right? Like, I mean, I'd. You know, going to like Monaco would be great, but I, you know what happens if something happens and you get stuck over there? That would might not be the end of the world with how the season's gone so far. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, we got a lot of basketball tonight. Uh, this is kind of typically how the schedule unfolds in the winter. It's like Purdue, Indiana, and the Pacers. I feel like fall on Wednesdays a whole lot, uh, and that's what you got tonight. Purdue and Hofstra. Indiana is hosting Nebraska. And then the Pacers have the Timberwolves to round out their Western. L- trip. Let me tell you what, where I'm nostalgic. What I miss, mostly because it was it was simple. It was just simple. What I miss was back in the day, and and it is super foggy outside. So you can't say that I'm yelling at clouds here, but I'm yelling at fog. How's that? And by the way, the the reflection of the monument, Circle Soldiers and Sailors Monument, world's largest Christmas tree, onto the new building that's been built downtown is super. Actually, that's the Sheraton. It's super cool. Um, what I miss is back when the Big Ten, you played Tuesdays and Thursday nights, and then like a weekend game, and you played all of your non-conference games before the Big Ten season began, and then when the Big Ten season began, you played sixteen games, and that was it. Or was it 18? Whichever it was. And, and that was it. It was 18. And it was just easy to navigate. It was easy to know. 
it's weird to me. I'm not saying I dislike it, but it's weird to me. I'm still getting used to the fact, even though it's been you know probably a decade and a half, of like Indiana playing a Big Ten game and then going out and playing more non-conference games and then back to another Big Ten game. And I get it. I, I understand all of the reasoning for that. But it was just so easy to know it's Tuesday night, Indiana's going to be playing on Big Tuesday, or it's Thursday night and they're on Channel 4. <laughs> Purdue is going to be playing. It's Saturday. They didn't turn on all the lights at Mackey Arena for the Channel 4 broadcast, but that's okay. That guy's going to find his tuba up in the attic, and they're going to start the game, and Purdue's playing on Saturday. It was just easy. But there are, by the way, one, two, three, four. I'm going to give you Kevin Bowen or Mike Dyckton either one since Kevin can barely talk. Uh, a trivia question. You ready? Sure. Houston, Virginia, Purdue, Yukon, Auburn, Maryland, Mississippi State. Those are the undefeateds? That is correct. College basketball? Uh, Houston, the number one team in the land, undefeated, followed by Virginia, Purdue, Connecticut, Auburn, Maryland, Mississippi State. Amongst the ranked teams, those are the undefeateds because last night, number two, Texas, defeated by Illinois, 85-78. First loss for the Longhorns, who are now 6-1. and one. Typically, you know, Houston may make a deep run. It might be, I haven't looked at their schedule, but it may be really deep before Houston gets knocked off. But, you know, usually at this point, there are still like 10 or 12 undefeated teams, but there's a lot of parity in college basketball. A Butler gets a win last night. They beat Yale 71 61. The Battle of the Bulldogs over there at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Manny Bates outstanding again, and a Butler led throughout. They now go to Cal. This weekend, uh, no Carl Anthony Towns tonight uh, in that That's Pacers big. Timberwolves matchup. So we'll see if Miles Turner can give it a go. He missed Monday night with Golden State. Obviously, Halliburton and McConnell missed as well. Everyone is listed as questionable for now. Of course, when you get this matchup of Rudy Gobert and Miles Turner, uh, there's some history there. Granted, two weeks ago, when these two teams met at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it was pretty quiet. On that front, Timberwolves pulled away in the second half. For that a was it. The Timberwolves. Win. That was a pretty good game for about mm, two and a half quarters, and then midway through the third, Minnesota started to pull away, and what their size in particular was was a challenge. They've only won one of five since then, Minnesota. So they're, uh, they're really reeling a bit. Towns injury, I think, has played into that. Um, but really good player. Pacers will be very happy to get. Back home, Wizards and Nets coming up Friday and Saturday for them. So we're down to eight in the World Cup. Uh, let me look. I didn't see any World Cup yesterday. Did you watch any, Mark? Uh, I saw that Morocco advanced. Yes. That was a huge upset. Morocco, so that's my team. I'm all about Morocco. I'm on with Morocco. Seven of the eight that have advanced are top 12 in the world. Morocco's the only one not in the top 12. They are ranked 22nd in the world. Uh, Netherlands, Argentina. That's one quarterfinal. Croatia, Croatia Brazil. Brazil. England, France. And then Morocco and Portugal. So the big one so far eliminated then would be, I mean, you talked about Morocco, would be <laughs> earlier when Morocco defeated Spain. That was a pretty big upset, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yesterday. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so Morocco now, you're right, in Portugal. I So the favorites now would be probably Brazil, right? Brazil and France? Brazil's been the uh, odds-on favorite since the tournament started. Yeah, I would say Brazil and France mm-hmm. would be right there. Probably the winner of Netherlands, Argentina. I mean, those are some really juicy-type matchups. I guess to use an NCAA tournament term, it's pretty chalky 
outside of Morocco. Right. right. And honestly, if Spain would have won, that would have been... I don't think you would have had a single team outside of the top 12, which is, I think, kind of rare. What's Morocco ranked? 22nd. So Morocco is like... Maybe not the Butler Brad Stevens runs. They're a six seed. Yeah, okay. That's fair. Yeah, that's about what they'd be, right? So... I just think of Morocco as being like the, you know this smaller country. Like I, I mean, I have no idea. Maybe the same same size as Portugal for all I, I think know. Think landmass. It's big. Is it? Isn't it? Could be dead wrong on that. Let's check our geography. Yet you know what we do on this program, Mark? We educate and entertain. <laughs> that's right. We Sometimes don't we educate ourselves because we don't know anything. <laughs> we don't. That's right. We educate ourselves about stuff that people are like, these guys are morons. How do these jackasses get jobs? <laughs> I think of Morocco and Monaco as the same place, but they're not even remotely Morocco the same, Morocco is right? pretty huge, yeah. I think of Morocco, yeah, one of those big countries in the northern... It's northern Africa, right? Yeah. 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 North. It just keeps going, it looks like. It's like the most northwestern quadrant. Baker Mayfield to the Rams. Yeah, Baker Mayfield to the Rams is interesting because... I. What's the long term there for the Rams? Because you would think... Yeah, that's weird. At first you thought like, oh, well, that makes sense because the Rams need a quarterback to end out the year. And then you're like, wait a minute, they're going nowhere, number one. Uh, What I heard it was because they they might get a compensatory draft pick if another team picks them up in the offseason and the Rams have like zero draft picks in the next five years. Well, that's the thing is the Rams... You know, the Rams are a fascinating tale because when the Rams pushed all in to get a Super Bowl... And it worked. They won the Super Bowl. And people were like, man, see, that's what you need to do is just, I mean, if the ends justify the means. Until the means start to come to fruition, then it's like, what the hell were they doing? Because what is the, you know, what is the, the, the future look like for the Rams now? Isn't it worth it, though? In the moment, absolutely. Absolutely. But... Then you're having to get creative by going out and getting a Baker Mayfield off the waiver wire in hopes that somebody else signs him in the offseason to get yourself a third rounder or whatever. Yeah, they're in scramble yeah. mode. Their uh, their pick is going to the Lions with that Stafford trade. So uh, Rams and Raiders tomorrow night. They're they're acting like Baker might play. There's, there's how no the, way. How about the Lions? I mean, you make that trade and you're assuming that the Rams are going to stay really competitive, and you're like, okay, so we got a first rounder from, but it's going to be the 23rd pick or whatever, right. and then boom, getting top fiver. <laughs> I mean, good Lions Lord. are used to doing that just by themselves. <laughs> they don't need any assistance. It's like the Lions pick is now down like around 14 or something right yeah. now, and the Rams pick is the How one. How about that the Lions, like. man? Give it up for the Lions trying to go for 500, playing good, good football. I mean, they went to the playoffs with Stafford, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. called well. times. How many times have they been over 500 in, you know what I mean? Didn't Caldwell lead them to three or four years over 500? How about the Lions being two and a half point favorites against the Vikings this weekend? Yeah, I, w- I was surprised by that. It's got to yeah. be in Detroit, right? It is in Detroit, but that's still... Hostile surprising. environment. Do you like Detroit Fort Rock Field? City by, by Kiss, Mark? It's all right. <laughs> it's just all right? Yeah, it's okay. I've heard it a million times. You're kind of like, okay, I can do. I can go somewhere Do you think else. most people think Kiss is from Detroit? Probably, but they aren't. Correct. I don't know where they're, they're from, from, but I know they're New York from Detroit. Right? Isn't Gene Simmons from like Brooklyn or I don't know Queens? I think that's right. Is this where you make a tongue joke? <laughs> I'll give me. The, I got the sounder ready. If you want to try to make one, what, what, why, why would I make a tongue joke based on that? Right? Why wouldn't you? 
Uh, Stephen Holder going to join us at 8. Alex Golden. Going with Queens on that? At 9. Um, again, nothing so far on the Purdue front with Jeff Brown. We'll keep you updated on that as the morning unfolds. You would think something would develop here in the next 24, 48 hours, one way or the other on that. Again, Purdue and Hofstra tonight. Indiana's got Nebraska, who just beat Creighton over the weekend. Yeah, Nebraska's playing well. Yeah, that was a really nice win for them. And then Purdue's got Nebraska coming up this weekend as both of those teams play their second Big Ten game. And again, the Pacers close out their Western Conference road trip. 8 o'clock tip tonight in Minneapolis. On this December 7th, we certainly think about everybody that lost their lives at Pearl Harbor. Have you been to the USS Arizona? I have not, no. Um, I'd forgotten today is December. I mean, I knew December 7th is Pearl Harbor Day. Um, if you have been to the USS Arizona Memorial in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, it is incredibly moving. It's one of the most, um, they have an, the way it is displayed is very, uh, they do an excellent job of showing you what took place. But the thing that Kevin has never, ever, ever, like I've never forgotten was walking out to where the USS Arizona rests you know underneath they've got kind of a walking bridge on the water and you can still see the rainbow slick of oil that is still coming up from the USS Arizona hmm. some and I when I was there 15 years ago so even at that point it would have been you know some 60 years after the fact pretty pretty moving yeah so thank you is. for saying that definitely yeah I was thinking about everybody um, who lost their lives on that day Kevin and Quarry here on a Wednesday morning, a little bit of an overcast Wednesday here in Indianapolis. Last night, college hoopage, you had uh, Butler 71-61 over Yale at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Another strong night for Manny Bates. Uh, here was Thad Mata afterwards on Butler getting the W. So we, we beat a really, really good basketball team tonight. I kept telling these guys, you know, in the second half, they're, they won't go away. They're, they're not going to go away, and they just keep running their stuff, running their stuff, and, and you know, they're they're really good on trying to pick on certain defenders, and, and I thought our guys defensively did a really, really nice job, uh, you know, with, with guarding all their actions. Tonight, college basketball, you've got Indiana hosting Nebraska. I think, is that 8.30? That is correct. Uh, and then Purdue and Hofstra, at seven, so a couple home games tonight for those two programs. Well, Mark, there we go. Thank you very much. No uh, NBA action tonight: Pacers, T Wolves, eight o'clock, and then Indiana comes back here. They are home for a four-game homestand that begins on Friday against the Washington Wizards. Saturday they take on Brooklyn. That is the Nets. But again, tonight eight o'clock. Uh, and Kevin had mentioned no Carl Anthony Towns. It appears for the Timberwolves. Maybe a break for the Pacers, but can they capitalize? We shall see. That yeah, a lot of health questions still for Indiana. They're a four-and-a-half-point underdog. The big NFL news from yesterday, probably two items. Uh, the Titans fire their general manager, John Robinson, who had been there since 2016. Never had a losing season. They're looking at their fifth playoff appearance, third division title, three playoff wins. Bit surprising to see that move. Baker Mayfield claimed by the Rams, and so that could be could be the Rams starting quarterback tomorrow night. Rams and Raiders Thursday night football. That'd be quite the turnaround though for Baker Mayfield I'd be too. Stunned if he's under center. At I mean, weren't they football. acting like he could? Yeah, could he be. Was, they were the only team to, to put in a waiver wire on him, right? Yeah, I know some put people had some questions about the Colts, and yeah, I never thought that was a possibility on that front. Uh, but yeah, Rams and Raiders 
on Thursday night football here. Yeah, the prime the primetime games outside of Sunday night this week aren't are not very good. Patriots Cardinals on Monday. Mm-hmm. Oof. Dolphins Chargers on Sunday night. That should be good. Yeah, that is a good one. The Chargers, though, are one of those teams that you keep thinking is like, they're going to flip the switch and become really, you know, lights out. And, I mean, they're yeah, good. Yeah, what are they, 500? I mean, yeah. they're good, but they're not necessarily. Brandon Staley, I think, might be in some trouble. You talk um, about an attractive job. I would think Sean Payton would want his hands yeah. on that. Lastly, in college basketball last night, we mentioned it. Illinois 85-78 over number 2 Texas. That leaves remaining as unbeaten, uh, at least amongst the ranked teams, as Houston, Virginia, Purdue, Connecticut, Auburn, Maryland, and Mississippi State. Basketball juggernaut Mississippi State. Who's the coach there? Is it Ben Howland? Boy, that's a good question. Ben Probably Howland. not, but he was there for... He was, he was there for a few years, right? How about Ben Howland going to like three straight Final Fours and at one point called out Butler on Selection Sunday. And I remember Joe Cornette like, hey, Ben Howland, we're still here. We're not going anywhere. Chris Jans. Chris who? Jans, J-A-N-S. Uh-huh. How long has he been there? I have no idea. Uh, this, this is first season. Yeah, Ben Howland was at Mississippi State last year. Did he get fired there or did he retire? Can't Let's say he see. did a whole lot there. He was fired. March se- he was St. Patrick's Day. Hot, 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 hot. He was fired. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> what was that? that? That was that was a, a touch a, the a, stove. All that was hot? a little what leprechaun giving. Had been howling. So how did they say you've been giving your walking papers? Oh, boy. <laughs> you, guys you guys didn't know. About Stephen Holder at 8 o'clock. Voice, Alex Golden at 9. The okay. Colts do have a head coaching search they will need to conduct here in about a month. What should they be looking for? We'll chat about that Can next I year. Kevin Aquinas, I got the bad nose. Kevin, how about this? We didn't even. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I don't know where you were scouring through, whether you're on Facebook or whatever, but you just came up with, you just unearthed the nugget of the morning. You know, Matthew, I think he gave you a, re- a ring this morning, right, to try and wake you up? That is correct, yes. Uh, he just alerted that it's Mark Dykton's birthday. You guys are such good friends. You knew right out of the gate. When's my birthday? September. What? It's third. How the hell did you know that? Boy, I mean, to be I, f- to be fair, Mark, I think we went the entire show of my birthday and without any mention. So yeah, I think we're good on that yeah. front. Yeah. Well, we had a shout out. Your your wife put something together, I think, didn't she? Was that? Yeah, that's, no, 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 that was Father's that Day. Was that was Father's Day. Day. When is your birthday? Yeah. Uh, so, well, see, this is the, the, the yours was on a weekend, wasn't this it? This would be news. No, no, no. It, it was on a show day, September eighteenth. Oh yeah, that's right. It was. Uh, you know what? I knew that because that's Kelly Mallon's birthday. I'll have to remember that next time. Now, granted, <laughs> I knew that it was someone else's birthday. Right. You exactly. Are, now, hold on. You, you are thirty, Mark. You oh, are thirty. Don't do it. Hold on, thirty-three, right? Me? No, Kevin. Kevin, I'm sorry, Kevin. You're thirty-three. Forty-one. Right? So in seven years, it, not like we'll be doing a show. Uh, it'll be a blowout show because it'll what? be your fortieth, right? Like I'm done with landmark birthdays. Is my problem, Mark? You are what? Today's the big three-seven. Nice. Who's your all-time favorite number thirty-seven? If I could pull a thirty, I was trying to think about that as a Lester famous number thirty-seven. Sounds like a Cubs reliever. Lester Hayes. 
I need to look it up. I don't even know who's the most famous 37. Any big plans tonight, Mark? It was kind of this weekend. We kind of did all that stuff. The Opryland Hotel. and Nashville Action. Yeah, that was kind of it. Going to the casino, all that stuff. So, especially being in the middle of the week, there's not a ton to do. Ashley's got work, so we might go grab dinner at some point and everything, but... It's one of those middle of the week birthdays where it's like, I can't really do much. So, yeah, kind of low key. Plus, it's 37. Who cares? Really? Now, will the girls like do something for you? I'm sure they will. Yeah, I'm sure they will when I get home and everything. They'll have something cooked up. Rodney Harrison. That's not I'd a bad with, one. I'd go with Lester Hayes over Rodney Harrison. Mark, or I keep calling you Mark. I don't, Kevin, it sounds like you might not make it to 34. Rodney Harrison? No, I'm saying for your birthday, you're you're over there. I'm worried about both you guys. Of course, I'm mostly worried about me that I'm going to get sick from you guys because, let's face it, in my world, I'm the straw mixing the drink. Um, Kevin, we, we were talking about it yesterday. I mean, there are a couple of things to, to discuss with the Colts on this bye week, but I wanted to get into an article that you wrote um, and a tweet that you had in terms of what you think are kind of the main characteristics that Jim Irsay or the Colts should look for in terms of a coaching search? And is there any individual that jumps out at you as being one who most meets said criteria? Sean Alexander, John mentions. That's a good one, Mark. In terms yeah, I was of just saying that, that's, that's the, probably the one I'll go with. I'll go with that as the best 37. Yeah, I would say two characteristics stand out more than any. Um, one is, and this is not something that Frank Reich did, uh, but I think in today's NFL, you just need to have more of that CEO leader. You, you you need to have the guy that isn't necessarily locked in with that offensive side of the ball for 95% of the week or the defense for 90% of the week. He could pick and choose spots. He has a great grasp of when he needs to be in a different spot within his roster, within his coaching staff. Uh, where do we feel like there's a weakness right now and maybe I can be there during a given week, I think that's really important, and I think it was really lacking. Honestly, you could say in the Chuck Pagano era, even though he didn't call plays, I think it was more of that defensive mindset that's typically where he was, and he let you know the Bruce Arians, the Pep Hamiltons, the Rob Chesinskis of the world run the offensive show. Uh, but I thought when we had Tony Dungy on a few weeks back, he made an interesting point about how Dungy never wanted to be a play caller, because he felt like when you do that as a head coach, you, you, you're kind of treating the other side of the ball. You're kind of neglecting the other side of the ball. And um, I think that just eventually there's a little bit of wear and tear on that. So when I say CEO, leader type, that's that, that's what I'm getting at. Nick Sirianni walks into that Philly job, thinks he's going to be the play caller, gets a few games into it, and it's like, whoa, this is too much. I got to give this to somebody else. And you kind of just hire other people and l- allow them to handle that stuff, and you could be the CEO on game day. The second quality that I think is extremely important, and this is going to be very difficult to sift through, but if you're Jim Mercer in the interview process, one of the first questions you have to ask these head coaching candidates is, what is your plan to develop a young quarterback? And what happens when your young offensive coordinator walks after two or three years when that young quarterback has early success? How do you maintain that success? Uh, That, to me, is such a vital, vital component to this hiring process in that, yes, CEO, leader, I think that's huge. 
But then just underneath that, your plan for making sure that the quarterback that we draft is in an ideal environment to continue to grow and prosper and not just have that growth be you know, predicated on one guy, i.e. an offense coordinator, a quarterback's coach, whoever, because there will be staff turnover if you have success. Uh, that would be the other thing that I'd be hyper-focused and making sure is there during that uh, interview process. Do you believe, by the way, Mark, Meta World Peace, another one with the Lakers. Ooh, there you go. Um, you could have a lot of we're ages. them up now. <laughs> you could get Meta like four different ages throughout your career. That is that is true. And names, too. Um, Kevin, do you believe when you talk about, let's begin with that in terms of a head coach that presumably is going to be working with a young quarterback. For coaching candidates, do you think that's of appeal, or do you think that, like, if you, Urban Meyer, went to Jacksonville because they had Trevor Lawrence coming in, period. That was the biggest selling point to get Urban Meyer to go to Jacksonville. So if you have what appears to be a can't-miss quarterback that you're working with, that's one thing, okay? But... Do you think because you know right now that Indianapolis is going to be getting probably the third or fourth quarterback in the draft, does that lead to just enough uncertainty at that position that coaches will be lukewarm about coming here? You'll probably have some a little hesitant. Sure. You know, look at Carolina. Um, I feel like Carolina's right there with Indy in terms of the draft order. Uh, Carolina's three spots ahead of the Colts right now. So if you get to the end of the year... And Carolina's in a position that, you know, they can maybe get one of the top two, and the Colts are not in that position. Um, would the Carolina job be more enticing to some people? Um, I also feel like if the Colts end up at nine, where they're currently slotted right now, and to your point, Jake, they don't have the pick of the first two guys, then that quality that I was talking about and what you need to find in your next head coaching staff of quarterback development takes on even more onus. Right. Because you're not going to have the unquestioned number one or two prospect. You're going to have to. Um, and no matter where you draft the quarterback, of course, you're going to have to develop. You might have to do some more um, on that front. So I think that is something to keep in mind. I want to read you something that Gary just sent me. Kevin, I'll let you address it. Hey, Jake, why should Indianapolis fans care so much about Sean Payton's views of the Colts organization like he's above reproach? He's been a winning NFL coach, but he has stained his reputation with Bounty Gate. When he spoke of locally by the media, it's like he's owned some sort of reverence, owed some sort of reverence. He did coach an incredible quarterback for most of his New Orleans tenure. It's like listening to Urban Meyer and Reggie Bush sitting on college game day panels as if they don't have past misgivings. Do you think that Sean... Peyton is seen in a different light than other guys that would be available. I think when you look at the coaching candidate list, him and Jim Harbaugh are on a different level. And their NFL track record, their NFL resume would speak to that. And in Harbaugh's case, again, I go back to what, you know, Harbaugh went to a Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick was a good player. I, I think people, because of the you know, everything else involving Colin Kaepernick, people get focused on that and forget about his level of play. Was he a franchise quarterback? I don't know about that. But when he went to the Super Bowl, he was a good quarterback. Not great, maybe, but he was good. And Harbaugh probably gets some credit for that, does he not? Oh, Harbaugh and, had a hell of a four-year run in San Fran. Yeah, and, you know, knowing when to make the move from Alex Smith, I mean, there were a lot of things he did that were that were pretty good there, right? Three NFC Championship games in four years? 
It's pretty impressive. Without having that bona fide Patrick Mahomes, et cetera. There were a couple of Jeff Saturday quotes earlier in the week, Jake, that I feel like just kind of get glossed over because fans have checked out on the season. And if Frank Reich said these quotes, we'd be ripping Frank Reich to shreds. Uh, asked Jeff Saturday on Monday about the lack of playing time for Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods played, I think it was like, it was less than a handful of snaps the first three quarters of the game. I'm thinking, is he like only a needed for emergency duty, and then the fourth quarter comes around, and he's like the walk-on in a blowout. They're just force-feeding him the ball every single play, it seemed like. Saturday called the flow of the game the reason why Jelani Woods did not play early on. Nothing like the old description of the flow of the game for Jelani Woods, the guy that just had 98 receiving yards, the most of any tight end by far on your team this season, on Monday Night Football the week prior, does not see the field for more than a couple of snaps until the fourth quarter. If you have an emerging weapon, don't you use that to dictate the flow of the game? Without a doubt. Or how about a young guy that just showed up on Monday Night Football? He's a unique weapon. Uh, he drew a, penalty, a huge penalty in that game. He had eight catches on eight targets after that early drop. That made no sense to me. The other answer that I was left a bit dumbfounded by was, ask him about Matt Ryan's right shoulder, and if he feels like there's some limitations based off the film he saw of Ryan pre-injury, and he said he's unsure, does not ask guys about their injury situations. Yeah, come on, man. The quarterback has a right shoulder injury. He's 37 years old. He's played in this league for 15 years. He's been hit more than any other quarterback this season, and we're not going to sift deep into his injury situation right now? I mean, the velocity is obviously not what it was early in the season. That sounds like Jeff Saturday, the media person, saying, hey, guys' injuries are their own personal business. Once you become the head coach, it's your business too, right? 1,000% it's my business, especially the quarterback. Right. The quarterback's... The right-handed quarterback's right shoulder might be the most important body part of any body part on your roster. Well, that seems uncomfortable. Not ideal. (laughs) No, you're right, though. If that was Frank Reich, we'd be ripping him. Ripping him for both of those answers. Flow of the game for Jelani Woods not playing more early on? I don't ask my players about injuries. Is like that. I mean, I get it. He's probably saying that as an out so he doesn't have to answer the question, but come on. Yeah. Come on, right? Every player is going to lie. They're going to say, I'm fine. You're going to be limping on the field. But you'll be like, oh, How do go. you not look at Ryan, though, right now and think that he is clearly limited? Yeah, I mean, well, and it's not like probably because, Kevin, I, I think you look at it and you know he's clearly limited because you know that's what you were getting. I mean, it's when you buy a car that's got 175,000 miles on it and it starts to squeak, you think to yourself, like, you know what, I took a chance and unfortunately this thing's got repairs that I'm going to have to put it back on Craigslist. I don't think you, anyone expected this big of a drop-off, though. And I, I think there's been drop-off since mid-September. Yeah. Late September. Yeah. I mean, he looks like a shell of himself shell. than what he was at the with the Falcons. Does he start a week from Saturday in Minnesota? You know who we can ask exactly that? Stephen Holder, because he- whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Joins us next, Kevin and Query, 93.5107.5 The Fan. 8 o'clock hour here. Kevin and Query on an overcast Wednesday morning in Indianapolis. Stephen Holder from ESPN.com is our next guest. He joins us 
right now. Steven, any bye week plans? No, I uh, I was thinking about getting out of town. Just never materialized. So, yeah, I'm just going to lay low, man. And uh, I'm okay with that. It's been we, a long season. We um, saw some, I would say, pretty surprising news yesterday in the firing of John Robinson, the Titans general manager. Yeah. Um, firing of general managers, typically you don't see in season, let alone with good football teams, let alone early December. What did you make of that? I thought it was really, really weird. And I know what the team is saying. I I guess I have to take them at their word, but I am extremely skeptical. They are saying the owner's statement said that uh, they, that he's done a good job, but they are, you know, they were worried about the the trajectory and progress. And I think that's a fair uh, concern for the Titans. Certainly. I mean, they have had a lot of regular season success, but they haven't won in the postseason. Uh, he has missed on quite a few first-round picks. You cannot do that, right? That is clear. However, come on, man. <laughs> I don't understand. The timing of it for me is just bizarre. Uh, it, it's a distraction for a team that has a chance that's clearly going to win the division, has a chance to win the postseason, and I don't understand what you gain by doing it now, even if – if you believe what uh, was said. Now, my, the conspiracy theorist in me, and this will appeal to Jake's heart for sure. Well, thanks. Uh, the conspiracy theorist in me uh, wonders if there's not some disagreement with him and Vrabel, right? I mean, I, I mean, are the, are the Ohio State boosters calling? I don't know. I'm getting really far down the road here, the rabbit hole. But, um, you know, are they placating variable? I have no idea. I don't know. But you start wondering what what else is there going on that we don't know about. It, it was strange to me. You know, two things, Stephen. The first is it's unfortunate for him in this capacity if it wasn't the case. And that is that just human nature, maybe this is just America in 2022. When something untimely like that happens, I think people's immediate knee jerk is that it was disciplinary. Yeah, well, something something oh, must yeah. have happened. What did he do? You know what I mean? And that's unfair, but that's kind of the reality. And then the second is, Jeremy raised this point earlier on Twitter to me, and I think it's a good point, and you just touched on it, so let's go there. Is it possible, and, and clearly we don't know, but is it possible that because Mike Vrabel's name had, I mean, I don't even know with any validity whatsoever, but because it was whispered about when it came to Ohio State after they got beat by Michigan, if Ohio State was looking for a coach, did that somehow cause Tennessee to say, you know what, we got to do what we can to make sure that Mike Vrabel has no interest in going anywhere and therefore made a change? I mean, impossible to know, as you said, but, but that is, that's where my mind goes, though. I, I, I wonder, I definitely wonder, I would say – I saw a tweet yesterday from one of the the Titans beat reporters, and I have to agree with it. And it said that uh, the the Titans situation is such that the general manager has done a decent job in certain places, but the coach has definitely outdone him. Outperformed him, I think is the word. The the coach being Mike Vrabel, he definitely outperforms John Robinson. There's no question about that. I mean, I think he's a top five coach. You could argue that he's a top five coach in the NFL. When you take what he has and what he's produced, what he hasn't done is won in the postseason, at least not at the level 
that that you would think for a team with the regular season success they've had. Uh, but man, they are consistently winning this division now, and I mean they're a power. <laughs> they just aren't a, a postseason power. But you know, listen, you play play the Tennessee Titans, you're in for a fight. And yeah, I, I think that what happens when you have a situation like that is. I'm talking generally, but perhaps here, the coach now accumulates a little more power, right? Because he's got the results. So it, it does beg the question. I thought that crossed my mind. Stephen Holder's with us here, ESPN.com. When I saw that news yesterday, was that's a GM opening. Mike Vrabel's head coach, Chris Powers, very fond of Mike Vrabel. Um, nothing really more than that. I mean, it's purely speculative on my part. But as we sit here about a month away from the end of the season, Stephen, do you have any more clarity on what you think will be the 2023 fate of Chris Ballard? So I still think he will be back. I'm not basing that just on Jim Mercy saying it because he also said Frank Reich was safe. So, look, I'm taking that with a grain of salt, as I think we all should. But I, I still think think he's back I, I think that's the the likelier outcome but uh, but I but I do think that things are so unusual right now with this franchise that I, I still think everything's on the table I just do and I, I think the coaching search is going to play uh, is going to have a big role in in how this works you know is is Chris Bauer going to get to pick this coach you know, is is he going to be listened to? Is he going to have the, the voice that he wants? I we don't know any of those answers, and I think that is this is uncharted territory for Chris Ballard because you know he from all in, from all appearances he hasn't really been in charge lately, at least not on the the big consequential decisions. You know, the quarterback, the coach, <laughs> the interim coach. Right, so those decisions were clearly, if not made unilaterally, they were driven by the owner. So it's a, this is uncharted territory. And Chris Ballard, I think, I don't know if we talked about this on this show. I can't recall, but I mean, Chris Ballard is a guy who, who, who likes to be in charge. Okay, and he carries himself like a guy who's in charge. Right, you know, he is. When he's in the room, you know he's in the room, and he's in charge. He's not a jerk, but I'm saying he definitely projects a guy who, who is you know, a take charge kind of guy and and a decision maker. And when that is at least somewhat stripped from you, I do wonder where that leaves you in terms of you know thinking about your future. Stephen, let's let's do it this way. <clears throat> if okay, six months from now. Do you believe that that Jeff Saturday is the head coach of the Colts in six months? No, I do not. Do you believe that Jeff Saturday is on ESPN in six months? Tougher question, but I think I think there's fifty fifty odds on that. But I, I don't know where he is. But I but I do think that's on the table. Yeah. Okay. Do you believe? that it's 50-50 or greater that Jeff Saturday is a member of the Colts organization in six months? Um, that's where I struggle. Hard to say. I, I, I think, mm, as long as no one's holding me to this. No, 
<laughs> of course, no one ever does that. Um, I think, I think, yeah, fifty-fifty. Yeah, I think fifty-fifty. The reason I ask because because of because the owner is clearly very fond of him, and they've also offered him a job in the past. So there's enough smoke there that I could I could see it. The reason I ask is because. Does this become a situation if Jeff Saturday is not the head coach of the Colts where there's only comfortably room for one of the two between he and Chris Ballard? Isn't that a likely let – me, let me rephrase that. Isn't that a reasonable question to ask of, well, wait a minute, it, it kind of feels like it would be one or the other as opposed to both? Or is that me being way overthinking it? I mean, I understand the question. I do. And and you're not the first one to kind of raise this topic in, in general and in, in some fashion. I think that the reason for the question is because we heard what Jim Mercer said about Jeff Saturday, and we, we heard about we, we heard the way he feels about him, right? So I understand where that comes from. I, I do, you know, is, is, is Jeff Saturday going to be in some sort of front office role? Is he going to be the, the decision maker on the front office side and Chris Ballard steps aside? I don't I don't see that. I, I just, I don't know. I just don't. I, I still think Jim Mercer is really fond of Chris Ballard. I, I really do. I do think that is largely a true statement on Jim Mercer's behalf. Um, I, I know when you see him stepping in and, and overriding from all appearances as, gen, as general manager, it, it makes you question that, but but I think that really has to do with just frustration, impatience, et cetera, on Jim Mercer's behalf and doesn't necessarily mean he's, he's not fond of Chris Stephen, Ballard. Stephen, couldn't, couldn't part of – Stephen Holder, by the way, from ESPN.com is our guest. He's on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Could it be accurate to say that part of – not all, but part of what allows Jim Mercer to be fond of Chris Ballard is that so long as Chris Ballard is there – Jim Mercy, Chris Ballard is a general manager that will allow Jim, or excuse, Chris Ballard is a general manager that will allow Jim Mercy to make decisions for him. Not all the time, but at times, and that that's what Jim Mercy is comfortable with is a GM that allows Jim Mercy to continue to play GM, and he can do that anytime he wants. He's the owner, but um, but you get where I'm going there, right? Yeah, I I I would say I don't know if that's true. I, I don't. I'm now. The reason I say I don't know is because this is. This is not the way Jim Mercer has has tended to conduct himself. You know what I mean? So, so I don't know how their interactions have been lately. It, they definitely have been interesting, I imagine. And and Chris Ballard said they had a spirited conversation, which is South Texas code for "Are you crazy?" <laughs> you know. So you know when he when he said he was going to hire Jeff Saturday, that's that's how I interpret it. <laughs> but. So I don't know. I, I, I just—it's hard to say. It's really hard to say because this is just such a new territory for this, you know, for this team. Uh, this is. This feels like you know. It feels a little like Bobber, say, in, to some extent, and that's not something we've seen for a long time. Now, I was told recently, and I believe this. I was told recently that that Jim Mercer pokes his nose in more than we think, and that's probably true. I, I don't think he he makes direct uh, decisions, but I think he makes a lot of suggestions. I, I, I think that probably happens more than we think, but I think this has also been different as well. Stephen, when the Colts get back 
to practice on Monday. Do you anticipate any like depth chart changes of playing younger guys? Yeah. Um, like I'm thinking again, a little bit more Jelani Woods commitment. Do you go back to Nick Cross? We haven't really right. seen a ton of the young defensive tackles they drafted in Curtis Brooks and Eric Johnson. Like those are some, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's too early. There's still four games to go, but I think that's an inevitable question anytime you're four, eight, and one. Yeah, I think I think for that to happen, I think that has to be something where where Jeff Saturday is influenced by another party. And the reason I say that, whether that party is the front office owner, Chris Ballard, somebody. The reason I say that is this, because if you're Jeff Saturday, I mean, there's zero incentive for you to do that. Like none. I mean, I, I think I understand. We, I think we even asked him about this. I, I understand the idea from an organizational standpoint right. of looking at the young guys. But part of me thinks that, Jeff Saturday, he doesn't give a damn about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is his only coaching resume ever, at least that matters. And, you know, to, to then say, all right, well, we're going to throw in the towel and play these young guys, even if it's the right thing to do for him, it, that doesn't, that just doesn't motivate him, I imagine. You know what I mean? He's, he's still out there competing and wanting to win because this is all he's got. I don't know. I don't, I think it would have to come from, from above, I don't think he's going to naturally do that. Um, I think, frankly, him going from Ellinger to Matt Ryan a few weeks ago, I think is the inv- the evidence of that, right? I mean, it's the first consequential roster move he made was to change quarterbacks. Now, Matt Ryan, you know, it is what it is. He hasn't played well. But I'm just saying at that particular time, that move was made uh, in, in an effort to, to jumpstart the offense. So, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't see it. I mean, I, I don't think it's impossible, but I think I don't think he's going to do it on his own. You think Ryan keeps his job? Now, I do think there's, there's reason to at least look at Nick Foles. And, and, and maybe that's maybe the, the argument I just made for why they won't play young guys is the reason you play Nick Foles. Because if you're really Jeff Saturday and you really want to go out there and compete, and 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 see what you can do. Well, the, the the one guy we haven't seen who may move the needle is Nick Foles. Um, I don't know. I I I think that I think Nick Foles. Well, let me not say that. I'll say it this way. I think Nick Foles crossed some people's minds in the organization on Sunday night. Let's put it that way. Um, Jeff Saturday didn't pull the trigger on it, but. And I don't know how much it was discussed, if at all, but, but I think, let's just say, I, I heard his name in the aftermath, and there was some, there was some question as to whether they should have made that move. I by thought, other people, at least. I thought it was wild that Nick Foles didn't play a snap in the fourth quarter. Right. Exactly. I mean, like, after the fourth turnover? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, we're going to wait till the seventh one. That'll be the breaking point. But, Steven, <laughs> how awesome is it? I mean, I think it's awesome, actually. I think the Colts... To be truthful, the Colts need to raise a banner at Lucas Oil Stadium that is like a split screen where the left side of it is the fake punt play 
and the Patriots game with Chuck Pagano, which is the greatest player in the history of the National Football League. And then the other side of the split screen is the Colts taking the victory formation down 35 in Dallas. How awesome is that? You go out and you just take a knee. It's just the best, right? That's legacy, buddy. That is legacy (laughs) right there. Hey, I was at dinner last night with a bunch of guys, and somebody asked me this question. I said, I don't know. I'll ask Stephen Holder. It's a really good one. Um, and, And look, I know that... The season has yet to be completed. I get it, but we are in the bye week, so this is what we do. Uh, Shaquille Leonard, he is or is not back next year. Uh, I think he, I think he is, just because you know they've probably got to let this thing play out. Um, the, the question is, what does he look like, and and does and, and if he's not the same player, does that you know at some point? heading into the 2023 season, does that force them to consider uh, whether he's a part of their future? So what I'm saying is I'm, I'm saying yes, but is what I'm saying. Um, I just think that so much has happened there physically that you gotta, you gotta find out what, what he looks like. You know, we gotta see it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's going to be, that's going to be the third year of this thing, you know, of this issue you know, sort of persisting if this if it carries over to next year, that is. You know, we're two years into it now. If we're still talking about this uh, in, in the summer of 2023, now we're talking a, a third year. I mean, that's, that's Andrew Luck territory in terms of, you know, his shoulder injury in Andrew Luck's case. In this case, you know, the lower body ankle slash back for uh, Shaq Leonard. This is a really tough injury, man. And if he does... If Shaq Leonard, if they say, you know what, he looks healthy, we're going to go ahead and go with this, does that come, obviously, at the expense of other players that have played well, I think, in his absence that are free agents? I believe Okereke is up, right? Zaire Franklin has yeah, signed he, in, but Okereke would be up. EJ Speed, too. Yeah. And EJ, EJ Speed, Speed, yeah. and Okereke. Yeah, I, I tell you, look, I, I was – you're right, yes. The, the answer to your question is, yes, it, his – the decision on, on Shaq Leonard very much affects – uh, other guys, and I, I will tell you this: I was kind of lukewarm on Okereke before this season, in terms of you know whether he should be a guy they invest in. I, I was kind of like eh, agnostic about it. But I think he's played really well, and I think you've got to really think about how you proceed there. I don't remember off the top of my head the cap implications on Shaq Leonard, and I'm not suggesting anything. We don't know enough to even suggest that he won't come back. But but if there if there are issues lingering. You have to consider, you know, the long-term impact on your football team. So, look, I mean, he's only two years into that massive deal, so there are going to be some cap implications if you don't keep him. So that complicates things. But just from a pure football standpoint, uh, they have been just fine at linebacker, even though they do miss the turnovers. Steven, last one from me. Uh, We had Seth Wickersham on to round out the show yesterday. Extremely in-depth piece. On Andrew Luck, the first on-the-record comments from Luck about his retirement. Uh, what were some of your thoughts on that piece? You know, so Seth and I have been talking about this for a while. And I was, you know, dying trying to keep this secret. But um, the, what I took away from it, and this is what he told me, and he was 100% right after reading the story. He told me, you know, it's just not a football story. And I could not agree more. It's a story about a, a guy dealing with identity that's what it is and and i think i recall that i had a conversation with luck years ago that i will never forget and 
it's still true to this day. And he told me how he was struggling to deal with the idea of, of fame and being famous and people recognizing you. It was weird as hell to him. He never really, you know, sort of got his head around it, you know? And I think eventually he got used to it, but I don't think he ever liked it. I don't think he ever thought it was normal, you know? And he, he talked about, I wrote in a story at, at the Indy Star years ago, and he, he talked about how, you know, like sitting in airports or walking through an airport and everybody looking at you was like the weirdest thing, right? Can you imagine Andrew Luck, you know, sort of socially awkward, et cetera, and, and you have to deal with that? So that's just one very, very, very small aspect of of all the things he was dealing with, but I think it it's a window into who we're talking about here. He was never really comfortable in that role. And and I think when, when you felt like you weren't living up to who you were expected to be, it then complicated it even more. So I thought fascinating from that standpoint is why the story for me was fascinating. You know, I said last night, Steve, you and I chatted, and yeah. then I, I, I sent a tweet, but and I, I might have mentioned this this morning, I can't recall, but to me the summary of the article was that Andrew Luck came into the NFL – with expectation of being a Peyton Manning, Tom Brady level performer and competitor, and then, and everybody expected him to be like the next Tom Brady in terms of his accolades. But in reality, he walked from football because he didn't want to be the next Tom Brady. Because what do we see in Tom Brady, who's a wonderful player, no question. But by all account, apparently it cost him his marriage. It cost him already like one relationship. And I think Andrew Luck just said, yeah. and I'm not saying Andrew Luck cognitively thought of it, but he thought to himself, he, basically, I don't want to be there. His 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 relationship was in trouble. His, his relationship with himself was in trouble. And he didn't want to be somebody who felt like that to be able to perform, he had to be a completely isolated narcissist. Yeah, a- I mean, I think his, his admission that football made him this person that he did not want to be, uh, when Nicole, his wife, she basically reveals in the article that, yeah, I was going to leave his, you know, I was going to leave this guy because he was absolutely miserable. And that is, I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. If you can, if you can read that and still feel like I hate this guy, <laughs> you got to look in the mirror, man. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. I totally get it. He he picked his his life, his his family, his well being. Over football, which is a totally reasonable decision. Um, Steven, ESPN.com, enjoy the off time, I guess you will, right? I mean, it doesn't come very often during the season, but certainly appreciate you taking time with us this morning. I'm sure you have, you know, you could have slept in, right? And you should have been on a beach in the Caribbean. Uh, I missed opportunity, man. (laughs) But hey, you know, what else would I be doing? Right. If I wasn't doing that, I'd I'd like to spend it with you guys. Thank you, Steven. All right, see you guys. That's Stephen Holder right there. For those that missed that Seth Wickersham uh, interview with us, that was up on yesterday's podcast. Again, he's the one that met with Luck, gosh, seemed like over seven, eight times over the past year, and just some tremendous on-the-record anecdotes from Andrew Luck on much more than just the actual retirement band. Andrew reveals kind of his biggest regret which I think is uh, what Colts fans probably hold the biggest grudge against him for, and that would be the timing of when he did it. I just go back to, as I've always said, I think Andrew Luck is one of those people, part of what made him a great player is also what made him, in the end, have that one regret, which is that 
um, he just seemed almost he seemed immune to perceptions. That's not a knock on him at all, um, but he seemed immune to perceptions. This probably is getting way too into like therapy and Luck's personal life, but I am curious: would things have been different had Luck entered the NFL married? If he entered the NFL with a young child, you know, not to get too into Luck's personal life, but I guess I'm doing it. The injuries that he started to suffer in the NFL played right out in the same timeline as of him getting engaged, becoming married, and becoming a father. Here's the other thing, Kevin. You notice the one person who has never, at least to my knowledge, you would know better than I. And we do have breaking news to get to in the morning check down here coming up in just a minute. But the one person that I've never heard publicly say anything negative about the timing of Andrew Luck's retirement is Jim Irsay. Maybe I'm wrong in that. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But I've never heard Jim Irsay, who gave Luck a $25 million basically parting gift, I've never heard him come out and in any way, shape, or form, say anything negative about the timing of Luck's retirement. And then when you consider that Jim Irsay is also an owner whose daughter, along with he, Irsay himself, are part of a very visible and ubiquitous campaign about mental health and happiness and kicking the stigma of depression, it would be very contradictory for him now that we know that that, in fact, was a driving force behind Andrew Luck's decision. And is it possible then that as a result of that, Andrew Luck was very candid with his owner about the fact that it wasn't even necessarily entirely a physical thing, but rather a mental and a depression thing that led Andrew Luck to have no choice but to make that decision. And Jim Irsay, based on that, said, you know what? I get it. I get it, and I respect it. No, I think Ursa thought Luck was going to come back, and that's why he. No, I, I get that, but what I'm saying played is, his cards the way he played him and gave him the twenty five million to continue to walk. No, I, I get that, but what I'm saying is, to this day, do you think Ursa has been illuminated as to what the? In other words, Jim Ursa would be the biggest hypocrite in the world if he were to ever now come out and say anything negative about Andrew Luck because if you are going to rightly and understandably and respectfully so talk about and be the franchise in the NFL that is taking a stand against depression and mental you know and and people coming up with their mental health and then Andrew Luck comes out and says I walked away primarily because my mental health was such that I was in a very dark place you pretty much have to support that, right? Yeah, I do think we've seen Ursay, and again, these aren't like direct shots at Luck, but I do think you have Ursay. He did it a few Mondays ago when they fired Frank Reich in that press conference in that he mentions in there, you know, when your franchise quarterback retires two weeks before the start of a season. You're right. Those are the subtle, again, they are not direct shots, but certainly what he's the, alluding to the What fact. was the origin of the Kicking the Stigma campaign? Like, why? Leonard? Uh, I think it was Kalen Ursay, the youngest, the youngest daughter, just before the start of COVID. But she and Jim kind of spearheading it, and then from there, I think a lot of uh, celebrities joined it. And then from a cult standpoint, but I would say Shaquille the, Leonard was. Did she just come to Jim and say, "Hey, I think we should do this"? Or yeah. Did, okay. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and then Shaq, I think, was probably the first Colts player that took kind of the big, big lead on it within really the past year. Uh, time, by the way, for a morning checkdown. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All hail. What's that? All hail. That's right. Aaron Judge. Whew. Nine years, $360 million to stay a New York Yankee. Mm-hmm. Uh, this from Spot Track, the contract aggregator website, if you want to call it that. Third highest total value contract in Major League Baseball history. $40 million per year is $4.5 million more than any position player in MLB history. Which is crazy. So that means that, like, are there pitchers that make more? Like, what's Kershaw making? I realize pitcher is the most important position, but I'm like, they play every four games. What a what a gig, man. How old is Judge? That's a good question. Didn't he just, didn't he just turn 30? Is he that old? 30's yep. not old. Yeah, he's 30. April 26, 1992. I recall, let's see, look, a nine-year deal, right? I recall when Alex Rodriguez signed his deal with the Texas Rangers. I was covering the Cardinals at the time. And God, I still remember that. Asked Mark McGuire, what do you think of the A-Rod deal? And he said, what I think is I better never hear Alex Rodriguez or the Rangers complain about how they don't have the money to build a team around him. I'm like, okay. Was that but 10 for 252? That's I think that's exactly right. And how many teams, I've always said this, good for Aaron Judge, man. Good for the Yankees, right? Uh, great player, great talent, exciting player to watch. H- how many times do guys with these deals in the at the end of the contract is the team still happy they are paying it? Ask the Angels about Albert Pujols, correct, or Josh Hamilton, mm-hmm. right? Oh man, I mean, God, I love to watch J- Josh Hamilton play. Great player. Locally, Cubs made a couple moves. Cody Bellinger won the deal, $17.5 million. And then Jamison Tyon, former Yankee and Pittsburgh Pirate and Indianapolis Indian, four years, $68 million. Got a lot of Reds moves we can go over, too. Yeah. I'm sure there's some farm system moves they uh made. Yeah, some good moves to the Louisville Bats. Double A to single A. They're going to do the beer bats down in Louisville this year like they did this year with the Indians. Hey, that's the promotion I can get behind. Hopefully Buddy Buddy will be there. Uh, last night, college basketball, Butler over Yale, 71-61. That was a nice win for Butler. Uh, they were favored by six. They won by ten, had the lead throughout. Manny Bates continues to impress. If you haven't seen Butler this season, uh, Manny Bates worth the price of admission. Good player for them in the front court. Uh, Indiana-Purdue back in action tonight for Purdue. That is the is it the pride of Hofstra? I think that's right, isn't it? Hofstra pride. And Indiana's got Nebraska, the double-digit favorite. In that one, as IU looks to even their Big Ten record. Do you know where Hofstra is, Mark? I actually do know, I think. Delaware is my first guess. I'm pretty sure it's in Long Island, isn't it? Delaware or New York. That's where I was going. Uh, Hempstead, New York. Do we know where Hempstead, New York is? (laughs) Nassau County, baby. L.I. Hell yeah. Hofstra Pride is correct. Pride of Hofstra tonight for I think they got a decent record this season, so uh, we'll see if Purdue gets challenged at all in that. Is it on Staten Island? No, it's not on Staten Island. How is it the Hofstra Pride and they only have three primary colors? Seems like a missed opportunity, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, we can expand more on that maybe next next segment. Uh, tonight, the Pacers and Timberwolves, eight o'clock from Long Minneapolis. Floor. 
these two teams played just two weeks ago. No Carl Anthony Towns this time around. Obviously for the Pacers, a lot of health questions. Uh, guys that are questionable in the injury report, Tyrese Halliburton with that groin. Chicha McConnell missed the last two due to illness. Uh, Miles Turner missed Monday night due to the hamstring injury. Uh, I'm just now remembering I had a dream last night that Andrew Nemhard was playing in the G League. Wow. What did you eat before bed? Yeah, what 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 uh, we did tacos last night. Oh, okay. Is that a dream or a nightmare? Yeah, no scared? kidding at this point, right? And I was like thinking to myself, wow, what an impressive dude. He just plays every night. <laughs> uh-huh. Thirty one one night against the Warriors, and the next night yeah. he's taking on the, the South Dakota Sky. The Force. main red claws <laughs> and he's having, you know, forty in that game. You think this is a dream because you're sick? You're <sighs> dreaming about Andrew Nemhard in the G NyQuil? League? Did you drink the NyQuil? Uh, no. Okay. Robodose, did you do that? No. Okay. Uh, last night, by the way, in college basketball, since we're talking about games tonight, last night it was Illinois, 85-78 over number two Texas. That leaves Houston, Virginia, Purdue, Connecticut, Auburn, Maryland, Mississippi State as the unbeatens remaining amongst the ranked. There might be, you know, Montana State might be undefeated. I'm not sure, but... Just now remembering, we need one more pop quiz question. Oh, really? Okay. One of them might... Come down to the World Cup and the final eight in the World Cup. The biggest long shot still left, Jake? In terms of odds, I'll go with Morocco. Morocco. So, yeah, we need one more Morocco question. Morocco looks beautiful. I looked it up. It's right the on the Mediterranean and yeah. the Atlantic. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. All right, we'll do the pop quiz in about an hour. Coming up at the top of the hour, Alex Golden to talk a little bit more Pacers. We'll go back in the Colts conversation next. Kevin Aquari right here on a Wednesday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Larry Bird, Terrell Owens, and Mark Dykton. Hell yeah. They're all blowing out candles today. It's a nice old trio there. You know, a Mark. fun game to play is how old are they? Mm-hmm. So, Mark Dykton, if today's your birthday, I know you said earlier, you are 37, right? Yep. So, Terrell Owens, let's each guess here the age of Terrell Owens. Um, I'm going to go 49. With, uh, I'm going to go with 43, Mark. Oh, more than 43. I'll say 48. Okay. What's the answer? Do we know? <laughs> asking me? We're going to ask the birthday boy. I figured that yeah, you knew. He was, he was I mean, 49 today, so he was 48. That's okay, so just he turned 49. Okay. Larry Bird. Larry Bird, I'm going to say, boy. 66. Yeah, it sounds about right. You know, I'll say, go 65. I'll say 67. Okay. Let's find out. This is a fun game we're playing. Uh, <laughs> this is riveting. 66. Yeah. Happy birthday to Larry Bird. West Baden, Indiana. I was just there. Terrell Owens. Larry Joe, baby. Alex Golden going to join us at the top of the hour to talk a little Pacers. I know Coop's been hanging on and wanted to chat about Chris Ballard's future here in Indy. Good morning, Coop. Hey, what's going on? How you doing, man? Doing well. Hey, you know, when it comes to Jim Irsay, I mean, it would would make a great 30 for 30 to know how much meddling he's actually doing. Is he going into the draft room and weighing in on draft picks? I mean, he got rid of Wentz. Obviously, that was he was a driving force behind that. 
the hiring of Saturday, the driving force behind that. I mean, I, I can't imagine Ballard sticking around. Um, he seems to be a confident guy, a guy that thinks he has all the answers. He's clearly been cut off at the knees. Yeah. I mean, this would make a great backstory. Hey, Coop, I got a couple questions for you. Um, make some great points, Coop. You do. The first question I would have for you is, as a Colts, I assume you're a Colts fan, right, Coop? Correct. Okay. So, I mean, it's interesting because I also use the term meddling. Is Jim Irsay meddling? And then I think, well, hell, he's the owner. I mean, how much, he it's not meddling. He's just, you know, he's, he's dictating maybe is a better way. But as a fan, does that bother you? What are your thoughts on Ballard, on Irsay, et cetera? Um... My thoughts on Ursay is is I think he's a I think he's a I think he has a big heart. I think he does a lot for the community. I don't necessarily think he knows much about football. Okay, um, there's nothing that really points that he does other than a period with Peyton Manning, and there's some speculation whether he was running the team. Um, Ballard comes across as arrogant to me, but but what do I know? He could be. I mean, he seems to be well respected um, in in the NFL. So I, I, I just have a feeling like this is it. This would make a great documentary, and I think it's, I, I think it's really thick on the drama. Coop, do you want to come? To, you sound like a fun guy, and I think you're very insightful. Do you want to come to my PBR party if we do it? Sure, why not? <laughs> don't be so convinced. A little pause there from Coop. You'll have to check his schedule. <laughs> I don't drink, man. So well, we'll have Diet Cokes. We'll have Diet Cokes, Diet Mountain Dews. That's cool. I mean, that's all cool. I got no problem with that. Coop, I think you make some great, great points. Um, you know, on the Ballard front, would he, you know, look at and think, hey, I'm confident in my resume. I can go get another gig. I mean, that was that was one of the first thoughts I had, Jake. In the aftermath of that Monday press conference, in that to Coop's you know phrasing of words, there he's kind of been cut off at the knees with his decision making. Obviously, Jake, there's a financial component to why Chris Fowler would want to stay here. He's under contract in sure. 2026. So, um, you know, is there kind of a mutual parting of ways at some point? Because if Jeff Saturday's still around here, Jeff Saturday's got Jim Mercy's ear more than Chris Bauer has Jim Mercy's ear. And you know, if the Colts are going to make a splash at head coach. Boy, there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen. A lot of egos in that kitchen, too. Um, That's why, again, when I saw the John Robinson news yesterday in Nashville, I thought to myself, you know, if Ballard looks at the situation here and doesn't love it, might him and Mike Vrabel be a pairing that would make sense? Because to me, I see that opening in Tennessee and think Mike Vrabel is going to have huge say in who that next hire is. And if he's got any relationship... With Chris Bauer, which I believe he does, that might be something that he would have interest in. Do you think Bauer would like to stick it to? May, may I ask a really dumb question? Colts franchise a little bit? What, and I'm embarrassed to ask this, but I'll ask it on behalf because I don't know. Uh, what is the, you had, you mentioned the relationship between Ballard and Vrabel. Where would that have begun? I think the, where it kind of grew is in the pursuit of him in that 2018 coaching cycle when he did interview and Ballard was you know, blown away. It's probably too aggressive of a phrase to use because obviously Josh McDaniels is the guy who offered the job. But I think Ballard's always been fond a little bit from afar. Ballard has ties to the Texas area when Frable was down there coaching for the Texans. I think that's where he you know heard 
some of that. And then during that interview process, at the time, I don't think Vrabel, Vrabel necessarily screamed head coaching candidate. And yet, in Ballard's eyes, he thought, besides McDaniels, I think he would have been the guy here. So I think that's when it really took off. I agree with you, though, that if you are Chris Ballard, you're not going to go anywhere unless the Colts, unless either A, somebody pursues you and offers you an upgrade, or B, the Colts relieve you of your duties because you're not giving up that money, right? His textmate goes, is Vrabel the next New England coach? Will Belichick pick that? Well, that's a really good question there. I would think Belichick would pick it, wouldn't he? Wouldn't hasn't he earned that right, or does he care? I really have no idea. Yeah, I mean he's certainly earned the right, but does he care? Probably is a better question. Is Bel- Tom Brady the next Patriots coach? Whoa. Well, not if Belichick has any say about it. Yeah, you're probably right about that. But Robert Kraft. I mean, clearly that was Josh McDaniel. We thought that was Josh McDaniel's gig, and that's why he stayed. And then he goes up, ends up McDaniel's. This is his last stop as a head coach, is it not? Hey, the Raiders are hot, but um, but if he, if things go south and he ends up losing that job, he ain't getting another one, right? In all likelihood, I mean, he's still really young, but yeah, in all likelihood. We'll talk some Pacers to Alex Golden coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, we'll go back in a little Purdue conversation. Jeff Brom, uh, are the hours ticking on him with Purdue? There's no news, good news. We'll evaluate that situation coming up next with Louisville's opening after Scott Scatterfield went to Cincinnati. Kevin and Query here on an overcast Wednesday in Indy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Uh, Jeff Brom, that decision still seems to be up in the air with Purdue. I guess, I mean, they extended him back in April. I don't know necessarily if... They feel the need for another one, Jake. Um, but again, Louisville's opening speaks for itself with the Brom family. Not only Jeff's public comments about them, uh, pretty well documented how much his family desires um, the city of Louisville and that university. Let's, I guess, just go here for a second, Jake. What's the better job? Head football coach at Louisville, head football coach at Purdue. It's really a, a really good question. Um, one of the key aspects for Purdue that I don't know the answer to, so I'm not saying that it's a negative, but that you have to look at is that Purdue is undergoing a change at the top. Purdue's getting a new president, so who knows what that means in terms of their their vision for athletics. Yeah, Mitch Daniels out at the end of the year. Right, and Louisville is committed to athletics, and Louisville has boosters that are committed to athletics. they got a beautiful stadium. Um, you know, the University of Louisville, now not unlike, I mean, obviously in Lafayette, Purdue is the, the, the creme de la creme, uh, but the University of Louisville, I mean, you drive down 65, you can see the football stadium. I've been to it. It's a beautiful facility. Um but Purdue is in the Big Ten, and you want to be in the Big Ten. But Purdue is also in the Big Ten, where there's going to have you know a probably a, an improving Nebraska in your division, USC and UCLA joining. Uh, ultimately, it's probably going to be a twenty-team league. 
Louisville, I guess the question mark for Louisville is that what league are they going to be in? If there are mergers, if the ACC gets plucked, what does that mean for Louisville? So I guess what I'm getting at is there are question marks on both ends, which would lead it to, in my opinion, a draw. Your question would be a draw. So then if the question becomes a draw, then it becomes at which place are you more comfortable living and working? And Jeff Brown's made a lot of money. At some point, I think all of us as humans say, you know, it it becomes less about how much you're making and more about just what your comfort level is in life. And he's got probably all the money he needs or all the money his kids need. So then do you just say... But the other one, it's it's where I grew up. It's the people, that, you know, the fans that are coming to the stadium every day are the fans that I walked into stadiums with to watch games when I was a kid. They're the same fans that cheered for me when I was a player. Yeah, I'm going to recruit at Trinity High School where I played. Yeah. So there are so familiarity is a big thing, and that's not to say. I mean, you know, obviously produced three hours away from Louisville, two and a half hours away. But it's not like it's a major thing, but. Um, from the outside perspective, I think there might even still be coaches with no dog in the fight that would say that they think Louisville is a better job. I remember... Um, I think it probably is a better job. You know, I, I, I think Purdue's biggest case for it being a better job is conference affiliation. In that if you believe yeah. it's Big Ten and SEC and everybody else, right. then You're you right. want to stay in these power conferences. But Jake, think about it. NIL money at Louisville... In that market where there's no professional sports team right. and everything gets funneled into that. And you've got Yum Brands and Papa John's. Athletic and, program. I mean? Yeah. I mean, look at their basketball facility. I mean, these are state-of-the-art facilities down there. So if you think about it, that, if you look at just the football program's success over the last two decades, again, Louisville's been to a Sugar Bowl. They've been to an Orange Bowl. I mean, they've gotten to, you know, a level of college football. And again, being the ACC helps. Um, but I, I, I think you could make the argument that Louisville is a slightly better job. Conference affiliation would be the one. But I think it's good to point out, you know, Purdue's changing presidents and, you know, how, how is that going to impact things from an, from an athletic standpoint? And just how do you view the Big Ten expanding? Do you view it in that the chance for Purdue to make another Big Ten West run is not going to be anywhere as realistic as it was this year ever again? Or do you view it of you want to be in this mega conference because that's where all the resources are. 20 years ago, granted 20 years ago, um, I had a friend when I worked in St. Louis that was on the coaching staff at University of St. Louis, and I asked him once, what do you think is the number one coaching job in college basketball? One person's opinion 20 years ago, granted. And he said, oh, Louisville. I said, why Louisville? Now, this is basketball, not football. But I said, why Louisville? And he said, because that's an athletic department that has the means, the resources, and the administrative understanding of what it takes to win. Okay, and I would assume that's true for football as well. I think when Jeff Jeff Brom first flirted with this in 2018, it was what year two at Purdue. That's it, right? Rondell Moore was there. You know, the David Bell's and the George Karloftis's were seemingly in the pipeline. You know, I don't. F- I mean, now he's six years into it. You, you've you've been to four bowl games, and I mean, you've gotten Purdue on. And I, I'd like to think. A big chunk of Purdue's fan base as like a full under. I get it. It's it, it's fandom, and trust me, I've been there before. Hell, last year with Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame, but 
I think you can have an understanding of it's hard to argue against home. Yeah. And this home is different. I mean, you brought it up, or what was it, Rake Straw saying that they're kind of a Peyton Manning-like family? Yeah, Rake Straw said that. The in Manning, the city of the Louisville. The of Louisville, yep. So, I think when you factor that in, man, I, I at this point, I'd be a bit surprised if you return. I know financially, Purdue definitely um, has given him a contract that Scott Scatterfield was not getting at Louisville. So, that'll be something that we'll see if Louisville decides to meet. I'm also curious, Jake, and again, it's too early to go here, but if this does happen, you know, what does that Purdue candidate pool look like? Really interested to see that list. Because look at the, I mean, we've had two Big Ten West openings in the last, you know, three months. They're filled by Matt Rule and Luke Fickle. Two pretty big names. Yeah. Now, granted, Nebraska and Wisconsin, those brands are bigger than Purdue from a football standpoint. But I'm very interested to see Purdue right now compared to Purdue leaving Daryl Hazel could not be further uh, in a positive direction. Clearly, it's um. I have a feeling within the next week we'll know the answer. I, I have nothing to base that on. That's just a, a gut feel, right? Uh, Alex Golden going to join us next. Kevin Aquari. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It is 9 o'clock, the 9 o'clock hour in Indianapolis. Technically speaking, it's the 9 o'clock hour everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Quarry, Kevin Bowen, the other voice you hear on this program, Mark Dykton manning the ship for us. It's Kevin and Quarry on 93.5-1075, the fan Pacers in action tonight. And a happy Minnesota. birthday to Mark. Happy 37th birthday. Thanks, boys. The Sean Alexander birthday, is that yep. what we're going with? Yeah, I think we'll go with that Over one. the Meta World Peace? Yeah, I think so. I still think you should go with Lester Hayes. but I think all 91-year-olds should save the Meta World Peace <laughs> birthday for that <laughs> one. True. I think that's when I'm going to do it. Yeah, You are correct, though, that for Meta World Peace, you can actually do 17 different birthdays, right, with right. his jersey number. I'll sign um, up for work to Best Buy to get the discount in honor of Ron Circuit Artest. City. No, it's Best Buy in Chicago. Circuit City. Oh, I think you're wrong there, sir. How much would you like to wager on this? Oh, jeez. It's his birthday. How much do I want to win? Let's see. I mean, wow. one eight hundred nine with it. <laughs> Both of you two seem very confident in this. How about how much we'd win if we bet the Heisman favorite right now? Forty-five cents. You know what? Alex Golden may remember this. Alex Golden, who is going to join us next, he's here. He's ready. Um, is joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline, setting the pace as the podcast. Alex, do you recall, was it Circuit City or Best Buy where Meta World Peace then Ron Artest applied for a job? Well, I think I think it was Circuit City, Jake, uh, if I remember correctly, here in Indiana. But I'm reading the story right here. did say in Chicago. It was Best Buy. I don't know about Chicago. Yeah. Ron Artest applied for a job at Best Buy during his rookie season to get employee discounts at a Best Buy in Chicago. Okay, here's ESPN.com. Oh, Ron Artest, this the NBA player, radio. applied to Circuit City during his rookie season with the Bulls just to get the employee discount. Maybe he applied for both. I know I would have done the same. In Circuit <laughs> he City might have. Buy Maybe we'll kind of people right? go with the gambling apps, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just go with multiple ones. Boy, Alex, aren't you glad you joined us today? We both win. 
I am glad. It's, uh, it's always fun to talk about Ron Artest, right? Hey, uh, let's shift it actually to current Pacers, and we'll begin with the, I guess, the topic du jour. With a 31-point per- performance and what we saw in Golden State, which was so impressive from Andrew Nimhard, look, somebody had to score points and he was able to do it, but I think it's just his unflappable nature that is so impressive, Alex. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how to say this. I don't want to say he's at fool's gold because they won a huge game and he's playing well. But does that qualify as, look, a lot of guys were out and somebody had to score and so he did? Or is this a guy that is showing that he was vastly overlooked in the draft process and is, in fact, a guy that once teams are aware of him and have tape on him is going to be a long-term scorer in the NBA? Yeah, I don't know about long-term scorer in the NBA, but I, I, I do lean towards he's a really good player that's going to be impactful for this Pacers young core. Uh, for a long time, and I, and I really do believe in his game overall. Just watching him play, uh, you know, Rick Carlisle's raved about his, uh, you know, basically inability to get rattled by anything. He just is so poised, not afraid of the moment, and I think, you know, that confidence in himself and his ability to play well in tough situations so far this season, it's it's something that we can look forward to to being maybe the norm for him. So uh, I don't I don't see him as a scorer. Uh, more of a pass-first kind of guy that uh, gets others involved because he has such a, a good eye in terms of court vision and has such a nice uh, ability to throw lob passes to, to elite lob threat players like Isaiah Jackson. So his game is just very well-rounded and uh, he didn't even talk about his defense. I thought you could make the case that he might have been the best defensive player as well against the Warriors in that game. So I, I just feel like Nimhard. Uh, definitely going to look back on this and feel like the Pacers got to steal the draft. By the way, Alex, just so you know, to show that you and I are on the same page and that we are of great minds that think alike, uh, here it is, 2015 article, ESPN.com. Ron Artest, I was bored. I was partying a little too much. World Peace, then known as Ron Artest, told ESPN's Highly Questionable on Tuesday. I was trying to find easy ways to stay grounded, so one thing I did was apply for a job at Circuit City. Yeah, that sounds right. Mark, where's my 40 cents, bro? I've got an article here that says he applied it. Best Buy Well, I've got the, it the Bulls. straight out of Ron Artest's We mouth. call this a push. Mark, why world. don't you log Jake out of his computer like it typically is <laughs> He usually is to does start that himself. <laughs> I can't get in. What happened? Alex Golden was with us. And I'm sure setting, thrilled to be. Setting the pace. A must listen to a great Pacers podcast. Um, he's with us here on this Wednesday morning. Uh, on the Nemhard front, like big picture, Alex, I kind of view him as this. Mather and Halliburton, obviously going to be two cornerstone pieces, two starters. I'd like to put kind of a pure shooter with them in that starting lineup. I still think you need kind of a wing, you know, kind of a big wing defender at that four. Um, But I think Nemhard as like sixth man can do a variety of roles with that second unit, can close out games when you need to. Like you said, he can bring it on the defensive end. He can obviously handle the ball if you want to offensively. That's kind of how I envision it. Um, if you were to look a little bit big picture with him, how do you view things? No, I think you're you're right on the money there, Kevin. I, I think really for for Nimhard, he's playing in the starting lineup one because he's a good defender. Two, it gives him a secondary playmaker, which I think they need. But three, they have T.J. McConnell, who really can't do anything off the ball and, and be that impactful, especially offensively. Now, defensively, we know McConnell can you know get in there and be a pest, but offensively, McConnell's best when he has the ball in his hands, and so. 
you know, it's kind of tough to play play Nimhart as the backup point guard right now and to kind of eliminate TJ from the rotation. So, big picture, though, you have to think eventually that second unit is going to be Nimhart's to run because we saw against the Warriors what he can do when he has the ball in his hands more than, than just kind of being a secondary playmaker, a guy that's setting screens and, and getting in the middle of the zone and, and trying to play the playmaker there. It's like, no, this guy can really do some special things. And I, and I think that's what his long-term goal is. But, yeah, I, I do believe even if he isn't a starter, right, which which is a, a big picture of thinking here, I do think he's that good defensively and offensively where you can trust him to put him in that final five and close out games. And I feel like the Pacers have already done that this season. A lot of the times he's been that fifth guy with Mather and Heald, Turner and Halliburton when they've closed close games, and it's worked out pretty well for him. Alex, Rick Carlisle's been pretty generous with his rotations in terms of kind of getting everybody involved throughout this, um, you know, seeing exactly who they have this season. And then, of course, you know, they've played well, and this is a group that likes each other. We're about a quarter of the way in now. Is there a player, maybe there are two, that you look at and say, it appears as though they've kind of been squeezed out of the rotation here and they're not getting the minutes that I expected? Yeah, I think the first one that comes to mind has got to be Terry Taylor. I mean, everybody talked about Taylor being, you know, this really impactful guy. I mean, Chad Buchanan came on your guys' show and talked about him. Uh, We've only heard great things about what he does, but then the playing time doesn't reflect that. So I think he's a guy that's on the outside looking in. And once Chris Duarte comes back, I'm really curious to see what they do with O'Shea Brissett's minutes because O'Shea was out of the rotation. He's finally got back into it and I thought he's played really well since he was put back into the rotation and I feel like Aaron Neesmith while he's been a good defender uh, he's been a guy that I've not been super impressed with so far this season so I'm kind of curious where they slide Duarte in and whose minutes get adjusted there but uh, Terry Taylor for sure and I think the obvious one the other guy that's not really playing a lot is Goga but at this point I just don't really think he's got a long term future with the Pacers especially with how many bigs they have so those would be the Taylor and Goza would be the two guys I think that um, you know have been out of the rotation the most, but Taylor the most surprising. He's at Alex Golden NBA on Twitter. Alex Golden with us right now on the Payless Slickers hotline. Uh, we're about two months out from the trade deadline. Um, we're about what a month and a half, probably two months into the regular season. What, if any, has changed for you on the Miles Turner and or Buddy Heald trade front? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, for me with Turner, it's always been this. If he fits and he wants to be here and you can come to an extension, uh, you know, he's not too old that he can't be a part of this core moving forward. But if he doesn't want to be here or if he wants to test free agency, you can't lose him for nothing. So you got to keep an eye on that. I did find it interesting yesterday. I think Zach Lowe mentioned it about three different times on his podcast that there could be talks between the Pacers and Turner extending. Uh, he just kind of casually threw it out there a couple times, so I'm not sure if he's got any concrete, uh, you know, reporting behind that or if it was just him thinking out loud. But it did seem like he maybe knew that they could be interested in coming to a mutual agreement, which I'm not so sure was the case, obviously, in the offseason after they approached the DeAndre Ayton, uh, the signing there. So with Buddy Heald, it is a bit of a log jam back there at the guard position, and I think that's where it gets kind of interesting. But I do like what Buddy's brought to this team, even though he's in a bit of a shooting slump. I think he fits well with what they're trying to do. So you don't have to trade him unless you find something you really like, and that's kind of how I felt this whole time. But 
Eventually, Mather needs to be the full-time starter at the shooting guard. Don't let his fit next to Buddy. So ultimately, the bigger picture here is maybe if Buddy's not willing to come off the bench and, and play a lesser role as Mathering kind of grows into that starter, you know, look to trade him and see what you can get. But uh, as far as Turner and, and Buddy together, I mean, I, I think you just – you can't get – so. I think Bob Kravitz said it best. He came on our podcast and said that you can't fall in love with the early season success of this team and, and lose sight of the bigger bigger picture. You have to make the right moves to help your team get ready for – eventual playoff contention in the next two to three years i feel like alex and you tell me if this if this is parallel with what you kind of hear or the feel that you get but i feel like with miles turner he's you know he's a really good player and he really plays well with what the current installment of the pacers roster is and in the end i think that miles turner may look at it and say my style of play is really kind of suited and catered towards what they have now put on the floor in Indiana. And my style of play is such that it doesn't just automatically get plugged in elsewhere. It has to be a pretty unique circumstance for what I bring to the table to be able to thrive. And perhaps Indiana has that better than elsewhere. Do you agree with that? I mean, I think you can make a case for that for sure. I, because I don't really see another team that's really going to, especially when it trades for them, that's going to make him as much of a focal point as the Pacers have early on in this season because we've seen Miles have some really good games here and be really efficient. Now, there's been also some stinkers here on the road trip where he's not played great. Uh, thought he got outplayed by Sabonis and the Kings and thought he got outplayed by Zubac and the Clippers uh, clearly in that one as well. So, you know, for, my, for me with Miles and his figure with the team, eventually he's going to go back, I think, in terms of uh, – pecking order in terms of how he's used and I really think he has to think long and hard about yeah this might be the style I want to play but what's the ultimate goal here is it to win and be in the playoffs or is it to be on the on the Pacers a team that's tried to trade me for the past three to four seasons and I just don't ever feel like there's that uh commitment they don't feel like they're the two sides are committed to one another it always feels like it's kind of been an up and down relationship in terms of commitment lines so Turner has to think about that as well, uh, just knowing they're in the middle of a, of, a, of a retool, whatever you want to call it, as well as the, the relationship in terms of not being always on the same page with uh, wanting to, to stay together. So I think if Turner likes it here and he's okay with you know knowing that he could be involved in trade rumors even more, then then cool, find that, find that right deal and get together and, and see what this team can be because Rim protection is huge. You need it. I'd still like them to be more effective on the glass, but don't think the 39% three-point shooting is sustainable for him, but the style of play is uh, catered more towards his style. And always have to throw this caveat there. Sorry, last thing. Uh, this is a contract year. Will this level of play stay at that high of a level in a non-contract year? Alex, the days of wobbling for Webb and Yama um, seem a bit... <laughs> You know, in the distant, distant past at this point. Uh, but at the same time, it's never too early to talk draft. And if water does indeed find its level and look at the schedule coming up, um, even though the Pacers can be back at home, it's still much, much different than what they had in late October, early November. You know, I think we expect the Pacers to level out a bit. And if they do miss the playoffs, of course, then you're in the lottery. And uh, considering the rebuild that you're undergoing right now that would not be the worst thing in the world uh, other names that you're keeping an eye on non-web and yama division as again we start 
to look towards the draft. The guy that I like is the Thompson brother that you've brought up before, the guy who can guard better than his other brother. Yeah, that's a Amin Thompson can do that pretty well. It's uh, it's really fun to watch them play. Uh, I know they're an overtime elite, which is a little bit different than the G League. So, you know, Amin and Asor Thompson are two really interesting wing-level players. Uh, Cam Whitmore is another name that I'm looking at. I know another player that's kind of come up recently is Brandon Miller out of Alabama. You know, just looking at Is Whitmore Villanova? Yes, he's at Villanova right now. So, I know. I don't think he started off the season playing because he had an injury. He was coming back from, but I think he was back now. I haven't had a chance to watch too much of his game uh, this this season, but I know that he's been in my top five in terms of like my preseason rankings. So a lot of people high on Cam Whitmore. I just think he's a smart player. He's a wing, and, and that's what this Pacers team needs is just wings and, and, and guys that can play the the small forward, power forward. I mean, you can only play Matherin and Buddy Hill at the, at the power forward and small lineup so long. Uh, before it eventually comes back to bite you in the butt, specifically uh, in the playoffs, and this is where I think you've got to get some size out there. Uh, it was it was actually really interesting to watch Kendall Brown play uh, against the Warriors, just because you're like, wow, it's nice to have a wing out there that can move and have some size. So uh, hopefully, one with a little bit more skill than, than Kendall Brown, not just you know athleticism, but more offensive skill in, in terms of being able to add that to your your team. But yeah, I think the Pacers, like you said, this schedule, man, it's. Uh, it's been a blessing. In November, it was really nice, and I can't believe how many games they had off and how many they had at home as well. So it's going to be tough, and this road trip feels like maybe how the rest of the Pacers season will go. You'll have some nice wins in there, but you could be looking at some blowout losses as well. You know that Thompson Twins. I, I was a big fan of them in the 80s, Thompson Twins. Did you like them, Kevin? Mark? What? Are you guys not up on your new wave eighties music? You mentioned the Thompson twin the Thompson brothers. Do you not like the Thompson twins? Am I the only one that, that when you mentioned the Thompson brothers thought of the Thompson twins? Got a twins? professional on the line here and this is how we are we are treating them. <laughs> Alex, do you remember the Thompson twins? I've heard of them. I feel like I've heard some uh, references references about them on Saved by the Bell when I watched that, but Action. don't really know any of them. Well, I'm going to go get my Metamucil <laughs> Alex, now. You don't need to pity Jake at all there with that. <laughs> I'm just saying. 5-0 and oh in back-to-backs this year for the Pacers. That's kind of a wild stat. The advantage of being young, I would say. That's yeah. part of it. And, uh, you know, like the Warriors, they were on their third game in four nights, too. So, I mean, not an excuse for them if we can beat them with uh, a depleted roster, but just saying, you know, if we're playing other teams that are on second half of back-to-backs as well, uh, I give the edge to the young guys just because uh, they don't have as much wear and tear on their body yet. Alex Golden, setting the pace is the podcast. Did we? What did we decide? Best buyer, Circuit City for Ron Artest. Push. It was both. It's not a push. push. It was yeah. a push. How's it a push? push I've got a front. direct quote from Ron Artest I've saying got one I here. worked at Circuit I think Alex was our there? third party. I thought he was the one to decide. Alex, what what as you be Judge Wapner here? Another '80s reference, no one else gets. Uh, which is it? Well, not to disappoint the birthday boy, but if Ron Artest said it was Circuit City, I mean, how can you go against what the man said himself? Well, good time having Alex Golden on. <laughs> his last. By time. the way, Alex, I just saw your DM. Um, yes, I will do the podcast with you. Thank for thank you for asking. Yeah, no Look problem. It'll be it'll be fun, and you can tease that all you want too. It'll be uh, just on the YouTube. So do some uh, what Pacers song or what Pacers player reflect Christmas songs. Always try to do little fun things like that around 
the gimmicky holiday. Right up my alley. Boy, nothing says Jay Quarry <laughs> more than that one. songs, baby. That's some backstage politics right there. Yeah, Get him that to was agree a little with shady, you and then yeah. you'll be on his podcast. <laughs> yeah. I see how it works. Well, the dad can sponsor the travel uniforms. All right, Johnny's on the team. <laughs> Hell right. yeah. You can always tell with those AAU photos, right? It's like, look, my, my kid won national. So really? Okay, how many uniforms <laughs> yeah, did exactly. you buy? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Alex, thanks, man. Yeah, the segment for that podcast will be sponsored by Circuit City. <laughs> Hell yeah. See? <laughs> Alex uh, Golden right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Mark, so, uh, I noticed that on your birthday here, you're wearing your new shirt. And like you're that. wearing the shirt I gave you, yeah. There you go. So are you guys back to being friends now that you're wearing those well, shirts? Well, it was Best Buy because I know for a fact there was a story in Chicago that on Ron Artest's Best Buy uh, application, he put GM Jerry Krause as a reference <laughs> and Best Buy called Jerry Krause and said... Are you aware your rookie player has applied for a job with us? And he's like, what? And they asked Ron Artest. He's like, well, yeah, I wanted the, wanted the employee discount. How great is that? Do you think that, Do you think it's possible the whole thing's urban legend and that Ron Artest has told the story a few times using different stores? Maybe. I'll believe anything with Ron Artest. Yeah, anything's possible. Ron Artest, again, who once said to me, um, so do you have one of those little cards with your information on it? I go, you mean a business card? Yeah. So I hand him my business card in the locker room. He flips it over on the back, writes his number down, hands it to me and says, um, you can call me sometime if you ever go into like a movie or a birthday party. Okay. Did you do it either I time? I was going to say, did you call him? So I got back to the station and I tell Dave first, I'm like, dude, listen to this. It was before a game. So the Pacers are playing in the game and first is like, we got to call the number and see if it's really his cell phone. So we call the number. It goes right to voicemail and goes, uh, this is Ron. I'm busy trying to win a championship, so leave me a message. <laughs> okay. So it was really him. But I never did call and ask him to, well, partially because, I don't know, I was like 37 at the time, and birthday parties were not necessarily in my repertoire. So, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like... Well, he could have been there at your 50th. <laughs> Can you imagine if I called yeah, Jumping out of the cake. Him and Elijah. <laughs> he, probably, he probably would have. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pop quiz coming up in a few. 317-239-1070 for that. Morning checkdown time. The morning checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at ballstatesports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan. Last night in college basketball, Illinois 85-78 over number two Texas. That drops the Longhorns from the Unbeatens, leaving Houston, Virginia, Purdue, Yukon, Auburn, Maryland, and Mississippi State as the remaining unbeatens in the AP Top 25, Butler a 71-61 win over Yale. Thad Mata was very pleased, Kevin, with that victory. He was very pleased. Manny Bates again, 22 and 14 for him. They led throughout 50% from the floor, 50% from three. Here was Thad Mata on the W. So we, we beat a really, really good basketball team tonight. I kept telling these guys, you know, in the second half, they're, they won't go away. They're, they're not going to go away, and they just keep running their stuff, running their stuff. And, and you know, they're, they're really good on trying to pick on certain defenders. And, and I thought our guys defensively did a really, really nice job, uh, you know, with, with guarding all their actions. He likes to say really redundantly. Didn't Purdue lead off the tournament last year with Yale? Am I imagining I things? They certainly was. If it wasn't last year, it was within the last few years. It was like Yale and Texas uh, before St. Peter's in the Sweet 16. Uh, tonight, college basketball-wise, speaking of Purdue, they got Hofstra up at Mackey. 7 o'clock tip for that one. Uh, Indiana has got Nebraska at Assembly Hall. That is an 8.30 tip. So Indiana favored by double figures in that one. Uh, Nebraska, though, coming off a win at Creighton. That is a 
great win for Fred Hoiberg, and great wins in Fred Hoiberg have not gone together in his time in Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska's starting to play a little bit better, so we'll see uh, for Indiana what happens with that tonight. And as we'd mentioned with Alex Pacers at Timberwolves, 8 o'clock tip tonight, then they are back home to take on Brooklyn on Friday, or excuse me, Washington on Friday, Brooklyn on Saturday, part of a four-game homestand. Uh, Big NFL news yesterday. Titans fired their general manager, John Robinson. He was hired in 2016. No losing seasons. Assuming they make the playoffs and win the division this year. That would be five playoff appearances, three division titles, three playoff wins with Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill. I mean... There's got to be more here. It is unfortunate that you automatically assume like something disciplinary happened, right? If someone messaged me like, well, do you see what A.J. Brown did to him this past weekend? I don't care if A.J. Brown had zero catches or ten. I could have told you in April that was a bad move. The timing of this is odd. Like, what are you getting done in the next month and a half? Fire him at the end of the season. Now you've created a distraction within your organization for the immediate future, and that's very awkward for a team that's Obviously in the middle of a division title run. By the way, the pop quiz is next. Your shot, your shot, I should say. Your chance at a Jiffy Lube oil change. Kevin doing this installment. I'll have question number five for that. Uh, what do you guys think of it? I haven't looked at it yet. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. Mark, why are you laughing? Well, you, you have four here. The Again, Jake's I have one? four and Jake's two in the are fifth Are you not one. listening? Jeez, I just Mark. said I came up with number five. Pay attention. No. You should all be themed after, after me. Why are these all... Who are these other people? Yeah, that's a good point. We should have gone a little bit more of a birthday. It's okay. Theme to it. Uh, this is this is very doable. Very, very doable. Yeah, I would agree. Especially uh, if you've been listening. By the way, two other notes. Uh, Aaron Judge, by the way, nine-year, $360 million deal with the New York Yankees. Uh, also wanted to throw this out. as We were talking about your chance... Call right now for the pop quiz at 239-1070 to get lined up for the pop quiz. A very manageable one at your shot for an oil change from Jiffy Lube. Also wanted to mention um, Firefly, which is the new kind of new marketing brand of the Children's Bureau of Indianapolis. Uh, I started doing this a couple of years ago and truly do love doing it. The Children's Bureau does great work. And what the Children's Bureau does, Firefly is not, as it's now known, is when children are removed from dangerous, hostile situations, um, middle of the night, a domestic situation, children have to be removed from it before they can get within, say, the foster program. Uh, they, The Children's Bureau is where they go, and they live there temporarily. They are still taken to their regular schools so that life isn't too interrupted for them. Some of them are there for a week. Some of them are there for much longer than that. Uh, but it is a residential facility for them. Who does They do fabulous work for the kids. I've toured through. I'm a big believer in it. And every year at the holidays, you can sponsor a child. So you can sponsor a child by simply going to their website. All you have to do is Google Firefly Indianapolis or Children's Bureau Indianapolis. Sponsor a child, and you'll see. And each child that is staying there, they ask them for a very manageable Christmas list, usually two to three items, and you can pick a particular child, sponsor it, go out, do the Christmas shopping for them, and drop it off. And uh, if you are looking to do something for the holidays, they do fabulous work, and we would love to get as many people to do so as possible. That's an awesome idea. Um, but it's it's very cool, and it's and again, I mean, oftentimes it's heartbreaking because you see it, and the children's wish list is you know I want socks and a pair of gloves, right. you know, and you're like so uh, I kind of go above and beyond, but. 
Um, at any rate, would love if you would take interest in doing that. The pop quiz, though, is next. 239-1070. It's Kevin Aquari. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, so Kevin, I've looked over. I think yours is very manageable. So I think somebody could be on their way to Jiffy Lube. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not going to pretend to act like it's some serious grind here. Your your fifth question, though, you would call it difficult? Uh, maybe I'll distribute a few hints, but... Oh, maybe. Huh. Real shock there. <laughs> I think for Mark's birthday, we should have the integrity of the pop quiz hold up. Okay. No. So, Steph, why? Even if you get the answer right, you're going to hear just f- my favorite sound drops. So, even if you're right, they might sound like they're wrong. Excuse me? Yep. Just play along. You'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Be out of context. We'll let you, you Mark, about. pick the call. Thank you for the warning there. Yeah. Well, I just want to make some sense of this this whole thing we got going on here. Uh, okay. Well, let's see. I was right about Best Buy. So, <laughs> I think we'll go with number three. What does that have to do with being right about Best Buy? I don't know. It's my birthday. Who cares? Alex. <laughs> What's Alex. up, Alex? Hello. <laughs> Alex, you sound thrilled to be here. <laughs> this is a first-time call. Oh, really? Well, we'll play Get to Alex, know welcome to the show. Yeah, it's a lovely thing we do here. We've had a lot of good reviews on this, and, and <laughs> kids love it. Uh, Alex, how old a fellow are you? I am... One year younger than Mark Dykton, 36. 36-year-old Alex? Oh, okay. yeah. And Alex, are you native to the area? I am. And your high school athletic nickname was what? I mean, for the, the teams. War- What's that? The Warriors. So are you a Warren Central guy? I'm not. I was... Whiteland? Whiteland? No. Oh, boy. Danville? Uh, nope. Jeez. Swinging a miss in here. Keep going. I'm trying to think of what We're not other, starting until you guys get it right. What, what other warriors are there? Give us a hint. Um, religious. Uh, Lutheran is the Saints, right? Ritter? Ritter's the Raiders, isn't it? Seen as the Crusaders? I, I, I got nothing, Alex. Hold on. Uh, Bethesda Christian? Nope. Colonial Christian? Nope. Okay, go ahead. Covenant Christian. Darn it. They're the Warriors? Didn't Andrew Smith go to Covenant Christian? He did. He's probably the most famous athletic person to come out of there. Right. Okay. Now, Alex, um, the first concert you attended was who? Um, it was probably like a compilation, like like a um, summer festival kind of thing. Okay. So, like, your favorite band is who? Um, probably like Green Day. Okay. Nice. Nothing wrong with that. All right, here we go. Some Green Day action. This is an easy quiz for you, Alex. Just just curious, Alex, what what got you to call in for the first time? Um, I've been listening for a while, but I've never really, uh, able to call in at the time I'm listening. Nice. And you've been, when you say a while, you mean like you go back, you predate probably this show, right? Yes. Okay. Um... All right, here we go. Question number one for you, Alex. The top four teams in the college football playoff are, of course, now known. That would be Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, and Michigan. But who actually finished fifth 
in the college football rankings? Is it USC, Clemson, Alabama, or Tennessee? Alabama. Okay. Alex, coming up on Saturday night, we'll have the Heisman Trophy handed out. Can you name two of the four finalists? Uh, Stroud and Williams. Okay. I respect the last name. Very Jeopardy-like. Question number three. Andrew Demhard played four years in college. Two at Gonzaga and two previously at this school. Was it Kansas, North Carolina, Miami, or Florida? Um... I knew he was at Gonzaga. This is just big guess. Florida. Kev, go ahead. Interesting. Number four. In the final eight of the World Cup, seven of the eight teams are ranked to the top 12 of the world. Which is the lone quarter finalist not ranked in the top 12? Croatia, Senegal, Morocco, or Portugal? Was. Thursday would say this team is in the upper quartile <laughs> of the western quartile. Look at this. Africa. Say it again. Morocco. They're in the upper quartile of the western mm-hmm. quartile of mm-hmm. Africa. That's rare Morocco. here. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Boy. That, that covenant Christian didn't put out no dummies. I was you know going to I mean? say, no wonder you're yeah. four for four so far. Okay. All right. Last question for you here, Alex. Last night, Texas lost, ending their dream of becoming an unbeaten in college basketball. Last season, you went into January before two teams were the last two unbeatens and both lost on the same night. One plays in Texas, one plays on the West Coast. Can you name either of the two schools that was the last to be unbeaten one season ago? Oh, man. Um, Can I get a hint on that one? Uh, one yeah. plays four in, for four. One, I mean, come on now. Mark's birthday, four for four. One plays in Texas. One plays on the West Coast. One has a... That is a huge hint. One has a newly found basketball program of prominence. The other has primarily a is primarily a football school. Um, you want to carry Alex across the street too, Jake? <laughs> Gonzaga. That is not a bad guess, actually. All right. Number one, the four teams in the college football playoff, we know. Again, it'll be Georgia against Ohio State in Atlanta, Michigan and TCU in Phoenix, the team that finished fifth. Indeed, roll tide. I think Mark's kind of hot. <laughs> That's one of them. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Kevin. That was very nice of you to say. Okay. I, I got a feeling I know what's coming here. Uh, question number two. Did you get it right? Yeah, that's the correct answer. As is the hot part that you said. Okay. Keep going. Go ahead. Uh, Question number two. Two of the four Heisman Trophy finalists, Caleb Williams, Max, did we say it's Duggan or Dugan? It's Duggan, right? Duggan. Duggan. Stetson Bennett and C.J. Stroud, so he was This one for Mr. Gilmore. I mean, that's a show staple. Okay. All right, number three. Andrew Demar played four years in college, two at Gonzaga, two at this school. Alex said it was a guess. It was the right guess. Indeed, Florida. Now, the big... (laughs) (laughs) I wish people could see your face every time. Oh, I love that one. Uh, Question number four. In fact, the only in the quarterfinals that is not ranked in the top 12 is Morocco. If you've got problems with your nip... uh, Not your nips, that's for sure. (laughs) You can hear Mark in the background there with your what? (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, uh, number five, I don't have in front of me, Jake. Okay, question number five was last year, who were the last two unbeatens in college basketball? They lost on the same day. I think it was January 11th. Uh, he went with Gonzaga. The correct answer, the school out of Texas is Baylor. And the school on the West Coast, it's primarily a football school. Easy to forget, but last year they started out like 19-0. and The University of Southern California. Oh, you blew it! Great effort, Alex. Alex, appreciate you calling in, though. You don't get to come back tomorrow. Oh, there's another one. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. It's a temper You're break. You're a complete yeah. loser. <laughs> well, have you been to, uh, well, let me see, uh, Santiago, Chile. Twice last year. <laughs> Which building's yours? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what a, I've never even been to Jersey. <laughs> Mark Dykton on Cloud Nine right oh, now man. after that one. Uh, Kevin Aquarian, one final time here on Mark Dykton's 37th birthday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So, Mark, what I would like to know is the following. Mm-hmm. And I do feel bad because you, you guys went out of your way on my birthday. Kevin's fell on a weekend. Which he said it didn't, but it did. I said, yours was on a Sunday. Oh, was it? it she didn't you, even know. shows you how much I pay attention to my The Colts birthday. would have played on your birthday, right? Yeah. Max was, I mean, Max was born a week before my birthday, so kind of just got lost in the shuffle. Okay. So were you Were you not even here that week? Yeah, I was here that week. Um, I came back that, I came back the day after my birthday. Gotcha. Um, okay, so Mark, if your birthday dinner was tonight, if you got to pick, Either where you're eating or what you would eat at home, you would pick what? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, where I would eat? See, I don't want to like. I want to say, oh, St. Elmo's or whatever like that, because that's that's over the top and everything. I'm a simple man with simple things. Uh, I probably do like cheddars or something. Okay. Now I'd vote for Olive Garden. Yeah, that sounds about right. Cheddar Olive Garden is not bad either, but. In Fast Times at Ridgemont High, we learned that Jeff Spicoli eventually paid, he used his Brooks Shields reward money to hire Van Halen to play at his birthday party. If you were to have a birthday party, I guess I would bring around our test. Um, if you could hire any musical act to perform, you would, with an unlimited budget, you would pick who? Foo Fighters. Okay. And then if they told you that they were going to bring in um, an open bar and you were in charge of selecting what beer was being served, you would pick what? Well, I mean, I'd be kind of rude if I didn't offer the, the shirt that you gave me. So Pap's <laughs> Blue Ribbon, obviously. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, and you have what plans for later today? So uh, Ashley works tonight, but I think she has a little bit of a gap. So I think we're going to go to Winter Lights at Newfields. We're going to sneak That's over cool. there nice. while she's got a little bit of a gap in time. But most Did you of have to mo- buy tickets in advance? Huh? Did you have to buy tickets in advance? Pull some strings. Okay. We did that last week. Mm-hmm. Great. Per usual. I saw there is a new... The Lily House was pretty cool this year. Newfield, the Newfield Lights thing is spectacular, right? Uh, there's also a new Christmas Lights thing. It's a drive through one. In the, But I think it's like a national chain that does this in different cities mm-hmm. in the parking lot of Castleton Square. Hmm. Really? Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it looked kind of cool when I drove past. I don't think it's very big, but... Is the Speedway doing their drive through The Speedway... That was always fun. I don't fun. think so. Does the state fair still do theirs? 
Yeah. Yes. We went to that one already. Yeah. The the only complaint is the wrong word here, but when the Speedway did theirs, like the vast majority of the lights I felt like were not holiday themed. You know what I mean? It was just like, well, there's a there's a cowboy on a tractor <laughs> with a dolphin. You know what I mean? It was kind of like, I mean, Newfields, I think, is really the gold standard, to be honest with you, just because it's, I don't know, there's just something about it. Right? Sure. The it's great ambience. It is. It's pretty cool. Looking forward to it. It's always fun. Mark you, you got some spiced cider or something? What'd you have there? Spiked cider. Yep. Ooh, you can do okay. spiked cocoa or spiked cider. Sounds good. Yeah. That'd be good for your little head. I was going to say, yeah, for our right. throats, Mark, much needed at this point. <laughs> Knock it I out, right? realize this. Um, you know, TCU's the first team from Texas to make the college football playoff. Yeah, you know what? My, my buddy, Mac Engel, who I grew up with, it's a, he's like the Bob Kravitz of Dallas-Fort Worth or the Greg Doyle. Um columnist for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram had, had a column about the fact that Texas and Texas A&M, that's got to be just, can you imagine? I mean... Think about the NIL money A&M spending to go, what, they go 5-7 and seven this year? Jimbo Fisher's buyout's like $75 God. million. Absurd. I, TCU is a great... St- have you been on TCU's campus? I have not. It is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, in Fort Worth, right? Yes, and literally it's like... I mean, the, the residence halls all look like the residence inn and, or like the Conrad. It's be- I mean, it is absolutely beautiful, and it's in a gorgeous part of Fort Worth, Texas. It's, I mean, I have no idea what it costs to go to school there, but it's got to be a lot. They've had a great run, and I think Jamie Dixon's got their basketball program on pretty good ground as well. So, yeah, it'll be Michigan and TCU. That is the early game on New Year's Eve, and then Ohio State in Georgia, the nightcap. If we were to do that playoff this year, your quarterfinal matchups. So again, you have the four buys. You know, it, it's kind of an interesting twist with the buys. Jake, you know Clemson would get a buy under the new format? Yeah, I mean, because they would be, what, seven? Is that what they ended up? And what they go off of is conference champions. Gotcha. Get the okay. buy, which I, I don't know if I love that, to be honest with you. I mean, your top four seeds would be Georgia, Michigan, Kansas State, and Clemson. Kansas State and Clemson get a buy? Yeah, I mean, and uh, Kansas State gets a buy and Alabama does not, right? From there, your matchups would be Tulane and TCU, USC at Ohio State, Penn State at Alabama. And Utah at Tennessee. So your four on-campus quarterfinal games. Tulane at TCU. USC at Ohio State. Penn State at Bama. And Utah at Tennessee. Boy. A couple of those are pretty juicy. Non-resident at the University of Michigan, by the way. $76,000 a year. For a non-resident. TCU is 69000 a year. Of course, it's private. Um, I'm guessing Ohio State is not outrageous, right? Think not. They still have like the biggest undergrad in the U.S. And them or Texas? I th- I was going to say it's one of those two, right? Let's see what the cost of attendance is at uh, Ohio State. Um, I, I, Ohio State being a state school for out-of-state cost of tuition for a year. This can't be right. 24? That seems really low, right? 
It does seem a bit low, but I didn't think it'd be that high. Uh, but not, it, it probably is higher than that. I'm, I'm having trouble finding exactly. The leading vote getter right now for Pro Bowl fan voting is who? Leading, say that again. The leading vote getter for Pro Bowl fan voting is who? So there's not an actual game, right? They're just voting. skills competition. Okay. With Peyton and Eli, right? Isn't that Peyton how and Eli? Working? And are you talking about? Is this overall? So, well, the NFL announced their first fan voting results last week. This was the leading vote getter so far. I think it goes for two more weeks. Again, it's a third fan vote, a third player vote, a third coach vote. Colts players, I saw, were voting last week either Josh on that or Allen top would be 100. Josh Allen, my guess. Josh Allen, Mark, oh, you had a guess? Minute. Mahomes? <clears throat> Mahomes? Mark, you got a guess? I'm trying to think of these people that would. Be actually participating, or are you just are you they eliminating Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes because they'll be in the playoffs? Oh, I don't think fans think like that. Yeah, okay. Then I will go with I'll say Josh Allen. A guy on the Colts schedule the rest of the way. Justin Herbert. A guy on the Colts schedule the rest of the way, Justin Jefferson. Davis Mills. Justin Jefferson. Yeah, he's had a great season. Patrick Mahomes second, Kelsey third. 36 grand, by the way, the cost for Ohio State out-of-state tuition. I think a lot of that Justin Jefferson popularity comes from his LSU days. Man, but he is. But the Vikings actually had the most votes. He is pretty darn dynamic. Yeah, he's incredible. I watched a lot of that Vikings game last week. Um, he's going to be fun to watch. I mean, for what it's worth, probably no one cares about this. The Colts are going to have some scheduling advantages each of their next two games. They'll get Minnesota. Minnesota will be on a short week with the Saturday game. Next week, the Colts obviously come off their bye. And then the Colts will get an extra day as they get ready for the Chargers on Monday Night Football. We touched on this, I think, yesterday, Jake, before you got in. How about the Colts in these solo time slots? Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, <laughs> Saturday afternoon, and then Monday Night Football again. Enjoy it while it lasts, because I don't think we're seeing this anytime soon going forward. Yeah, no. that, there's got to be a little buyer's remorse on the schedulers, right, of coming up with... You know, Jim Mercer clamored for more primetime games and, and home games, and it, it's just been one of those years, man. I mean, you know, you almost feel like the year that Chuck Pagano was out with his illness and Andrew Luck was a rookie and Bruce Arians was the interim, and just every single thing fell the Colts' way. Literally, every single thing fell the Colts' way, as it should have, in a difficult year. But it just feels like that karma has just come back to bite them ever since, and just nothing has gone their way. Some of it self-inflicted, some of it not. But Still punishment from the fake punt? That's the greatest play in the history of the National Football League. Yeah. There's no punishment for it. (laughs) They They got grounded. They got grounded from prime time for six years. Anytime that you get Chris Collinsworth to go, what in the heck? It was the best. It'll be NFL Network for Colts and Vikings a week from Saturday. It'll air locally here on Fox. You see Eric Fisher signed with the Dolphins? Did he really? Just, I mean, is that a, are they in need or is that just an insurance policy? Believe in need. Yeah, believe in need. Teron Armstead, their big free agent signing. I left tackle a little bit banged up. Now with Fisher. Or I guess with Tua, you know, he's a lefty, so the blind side there is a little bit different. It sounds like Tua's good, right? And Jimmy Garoppolo might not be done for the season. See that? Yeah, he could be back in time for the playoffs. 
a little iffy though on that timetable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Lamar Jackson going to miss a couple games? Yeah, Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. what, uh, two to three weeks, I think. So tomorrow night, it'll be Rams and Raiders to get us started here in week 14. Tonight, a lot of basketball. Purdue and Hofstra at 7. Indiana takes on Nebraska at 8.30. Again, the Pacers and Timberwolves. Our coverage will begin here at 7.30. 8 o'clock tip from Minneapolis. We'll continue to monitor the Jeff Brom situation. Everybody have a great Wednesday. Mark Dykton, happy birthday. Thank you. See you guys. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.